0: Elon, you've got to come trapped with me. What? Where? Back to a cupful tier one. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What are you doing, Brian? We need projections.
1: Quick, go ahead. Get on Yahoo. No, no, no. Brian, I I just won last year. I I was going to just go out, take my custom champ t-shirt out for a spin. Well, bring it along. This is about that t-shirt too. Whoa, whoa. Wait a minute, Brian. What are you talking about? I'm the champ. Okay. I know what I'm doing. Like, what? Has, has winning turned me into an a hole or something? No, 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 no. Elon, your 2022
0: championship is fine. It's your new picks, Elon. Something's got to be done about your picks. Hey, hey, Brian, you better back up. We don't even have a draft order yet. Draft order? Where we're going, we don't need a draft order.
1: Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> Wait, no. Cue intro music.
2: Yeah. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, 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 hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson. ingen faktiskt ingen annan Carlson. They are so bright as me Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores Carlson. Carlson,
0: Carlson världens bästa Carlson. Yes, it's a beautiful day for a draft. The first step of many for this group of 14... Elite fantasy hockey managers all setting off on their path to prove that they are the best fantasy hockey manager in the world and earn the title of the undisputed Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, a.k.a. the Cuckupfuls Ultimate Champion. Welcome, everybody. The Cupfuls Tier 1 Draft live broadcast is here on the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best and longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by... By two guys who have climbed that ultimate champion mountain and one who presently stands atop it, having planted his flag there last year. I'm your longer ago ultimate champion and your host for today's episode, or co host, I should say, Brian Com And Elon Dabrowski is here as your reigning good cupful ultimate champion, here to defend his crown today from 13 hungry, determined, and extremely competent managers in our elite tier one of fantasy. Hockey Valhalla.
1: Elon, how are you feeling today? I'm doing okay, Brian. A little nervous here. Got tough competition. Also, the draft is scheduled to start in three minutes. So I'm assuming I'm going to be pausing it when it starts.
0: You very well might, because I just want everyone to know that, like, of course, this is not our standard Keeping Carlson podcast fair. This is an annual tradition here on the podcast where we have a live play-by-play and analysis as we watch the top fantasy hockey minds in the world build their rosters to compete in the world's toughest and most esteemed fantasy hockey league. We've got Matt, Phil, Jordan, Brendan, Ryan, Tom, Mark, Max, Lewis, Laurie, Harrison, Thomas, Joel, and Brandon, who have all earned their right to compete this year for the title of ultimate fantasy hockey champion. Some for the first time, some who have been working for it for consecutive seasons in Tier 1, some who have been relegated from Tier 1 from previous opportunities but have fought their way back some who are trying to escape the shadows of their reigning champion brothers, and one in particular, Max Fredrickson, who with Elon is looking to become the Kikupful's first ever two-time champion. This year's winner is going to join previous Ultimate Champions, Jeff Turcott, myself, Brian Com, Dave Betton, Max, Dustin, and Elon in our Kikupful Hall of Champions, who are then memorialized forever as the best fantasy manager in the world for one glorious season. But of course, the past does not matter today. We're looking to the future as we head into this storied tier one auction draft for our eighth season, eight seasons of the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, aka Cupful dot com com. if you're not familiar with the kukupful uh go to that website i just mentioned but it's also the biggest and greatest fantasy hockey league in the world commissioned by elon and i and kevin a bear who's just been an incredible addition to our team this year making this definitely the best year we've ever had every year kukupful managers play against similarly ranked and tiered managers the top managers in each division get promoted and work their way towards climbing to the top of tier one and others are relegated down the pyramid, like we have one tier one, two tier twos, three tier threes, so on and so forth. This year in Couple Season Eight, the league features eight tiers with more than 600 managers playing from 22 countries across four continents, divided into 42, 14 team divisions all trying to eventually find themselves drafting here in the tier one auction draft, which you might've heard is about to get rolling. For more info, again, kkupfl.com. If you want to get the bigger overview for the rules, we're still accepting wait lists. uh, If you want to take over a team that needs a replacement manager mid-season. And if you're already feeling like, where's Elon? This is too much Brian for me to handle. While Elon drafts, because he is not co-hosting this episode, he's busy. I have enlisted the best possible help around for the third consecutive year we are once again thrilled to be joined by our now mike i'm calling you our traditional uh repeat auction commentary co-pilot for this episode just like years past michael clifford aka slim cliffy on twitter is how you might know him the associate editor at Dobra hockey is here to help make this a day to remember mike welcome once again to a very special episode I mean,
3: thanks again for having me. I was trying to figure out how many years it had been. I thought it had been four, but it's probably uh, been four, but I I, I mean, you know, three or four, it's always a fun time to be here. It's obviously a super competitive league. And the fact that it's an auction draft is a nice little wrinkle to everything as well. Um, Just thanks again for having me. And I'm excited to see uh, what some of these values go for.
0: Yeah. And Mike, I got to say, like, this is not an easy job for anyone. And the fact that you did it once and continue to say yes is truly uh, amazing and a gift. And we're like, there there are a few people able to do this job, myself potentially excluded. So we're glad to have you here with us on today's episode. You'll also get like behind the glass between the benches insight from the managers drafting. They're going to jump on as they're able and willing uh, to share their strategies and thoughts throughout the episode during quiet moments in an auction draft, which happen uh, if you don't, if you're not familiar with an auction draft, Uh, A quick overview is uh, players get nominated by managers, managers take take turns nominating players, and then the bidding begins. And the player goes to the highest bidder. If someone puts in a bid with like two seconds left, the clock resets back up to 10 seconds uh, to give people a chance to respond to that. And the beauty of an auction draft is you can construct your team any way you want versus your traditional snake draft, where you know the first pick is going to be if you're first overall, you're drafting Connor McDavid in all likelihood, second overall gets Austin Matthews. The first couple rounds or even beyond are, are scripted to some extent. And everybody has kind of a similar composition and opportunity here. Everyone has similar opportunities, but we have so many different strategies possible. And I can't wait to see how these 14 managers today are going to use the freedom of their budgets uh to draft their ultimate fantasy hockey team to compete for the title of ultimate champion. Just before we get rolling, we should mention that as always, this episode is presented by our friends over at Dauber Hockey, the number one resource on the internet for all your fantasy hockey needs. The Daily Ramblings, invaluable. In fact, there was an article from Ian Gooding, past guest on the show uh, earlier. If it wasn't today, it was very recently reminding you that those early San Jose Nashville games that are happening before the rest of the season really kicks off. Why don't you start streaming in some targets from the predators and sharks to get a couple extra games in, in the first matchup of the fantasy season to find out who those targets are. You can go over to Dauber but Elon, I think the table's set and I am ready to begin uh i assume all our drafters are in the room we got and, uh, a minute and
1: 30 seconds to go very exciting i don't know if you want to quickly or maybe you could say once it starts like the just the scoring settings for the league and and, and things like that but i yeah. guess we'll also pick it up like as we go but yeah one minute to go my brother joel brian that's another piece of uh drama in here is in tier one and uh, he has the first nomination and i am oh. really excited to see what it's going to be like to play against my brother
0: that's exciting, logged in under his spouse's name on a Zoom call. Uh, if you want a visual to go with all this, by the way, this is going to be on our YouTube channel where we're sharing the screen of the actual Yahoo live draft for you to follow along with, which might be a helpful visual. And of course, the rules um, for the scoring for our league for anybody who needs the reminder is you get four and a half points for a goal. We're a points head-to-head league. Uh, you get four and a half points for a goal, three points for an assist. Half, half a point for a shot, half a point for a block, quarter point for a hit, one bonus point if a point is shorthanded, and then goalies get two points for a wind, three-tenths of a point for a save, lose a point and a half for a goal against, and two points for a shutout. Our rosters also have two centers, two left wings, two right wings, 4D, 2G, two utility spots where you can put any skater you want in, and four bench reserves. We are off and running with our first nomination for the draft. And as Elon mentioned, it is his brother Joel's team uh, who puts up Alex Ovechkin with not a $1 bid as is customary. But Joel uh, decided to to throw five bucks on Ovechkin with the nomination. Mike, how do you feel about Alex Ovechkin as nom number one?
3: Well, it's one of those players you want to offer to get some money out, right? So maybe you're not necessarily targeting Ovechkin, but you want to get uh, some money out from the rest of your players. I think everybody would, you know, everybody's kind of waiting for the wheels to fall off Ovechkin, but he's what 37 and he can still put up 40, 50 goals. So it'll be interesting to see how he's valued relative to the rest of maybe the top 12 or 12 top 15 skaters.
0: Yeah. And one interesting part of having Ovechkin up there, like usually, uh, you know, auction draft strategy is to sort of try and flush out as much money as you can early on. And you'd think, the way to do that would be with someone who's been going real early in our cupful full ADPs. So the ADPs from all our divisions that have drafted so far, uh, Ovechkin's ADP is uh, ninth overall across our, our 40 41 divisions who have finished their drafts. So uh, this is a, an interesting way to set the market. Like usually I feel like it's McDavid or Matthews or, or Vasilevsky or McCarr, like someone Who leads at their position and then you find out where the top end is. I think this throws a a fun little wrinkle. The bidding is up to $54 up to 55 now for Ovechkin. Um, Mike, how do you think this impacts the value of someone like McDavid or Matthews with Ovechkin going off the board first?
3: Well, it depends. uh, You know, I think the positions really matter a lot here, because as you mentioned, you know, Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews typically go one, two in a lot of drafts. There are those top four centers that typically typically go early. McDavid, Matthews, um, McKinnon and Dreisaitl. Ovechkin's at the top of the winger tiers, right? He's up there with, you know, the the Rantanen or or Kucherov tier, as you want to as you might want to call it in. Like you said, that kind of sets the market for the for the upper end wingers, but it depends, you know, maybe somebody likes Ovechkin a little bit more than Rantanen because uh, of the hits or, or something like that. So um, it, it does kind of set the bar. It'll be interesting to see how the other elite wingers uh, stack up next to him, you know, when they're put up for a nomination.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Elon from the future. And no, this is not another Back to the Future bit. Uh, we're just jumping in here to take a quick break before the draft starts to thank our sponsor for this episode of Keeping Carl's, which are our friends over at Tracks. Brian, we used Fantrax to set up all of our couple divisions. We did 41 slow drafts, something you could only do on Fantrax. And that's just like the tip of the iceberg of some of the great features that Fantrax has. If you haven't set up your league yet or if you want to try something different where you have like a lot of flexibility to do anything you want. Like, let me just, Brian, I'm just going to rhyme off a bunch of things, okay, of things you could do on Fantrax.
0: Do it. I can't wait. Let's see how many you can name.
1: All right. I'm in a league with like some really cool categories. Like for example, we have like something called goalie points three, which is like, instead of just having a category that's wins, this is like wins, but then you also get like an extra point for a shutout. And then you get an extra point for an overtime loss and it's two points for a win, but it's like one category it's just whoever had the most of that. Like it's, it's really cool. And they have a whole bunch of things like that to really have a cure rate instead, instead of having to have like a separate shutouts category for goals, you just kind of like lump it all in there. And it's like extended goalie points. We have giveaways and takeaways you can't do that anywhere else like uh, oh, we have a goalie category instead of save percentage we have even strength save percentage so if your goalie lets in a goal on the power play you don't have to worry about it doesn't count against your save percentage which, is, which I think is really cool uh, we have the third round reversal which we used for the cupful for the draft so that we were able to like swap the order you could do that for any round you want you, could, you do what you want to do if you're on fan tracks. that's the whole that should be their slogan actually you do what you want to do oh custom waiver times you know how on other platforms like Yahoo like it's just like 3 a.m. Eastern time, twelve PM Pacific. That's the time when waivers turn over on Fantrax. You, you could choose it. Well, anytime you want is is when players go on waivers, and you could obviously like play around with all of those functionalities. Oh, and then of course, dynasty leagues, salary cap leagues. Like you can't do that anywhere else. Fantrax has you covered with a minor system and you know a budget, and it's amazing. Anyways, that's just like the tip of the iceberg. Like I said, I think the other thing I said was the tip of the iceberg. We're still at the tip of all the great features over on Fantrax. It's really cool to be able to say our episode is sponsored by them.
0: And if that's not enough to give you reason to go try Fantrax, if you haven't yet, go sign up free today, and you're going to be entered to win an official NHL-signed Nikita Kucherov jersey. That's right. I'm not kidding. All you need to do is go to fantrackscom keeping. That's our custom link that lets them know you came from us, and that you get to enter this draw for, yes, this official number 86-signed Nikita Kucherov. NHL Official Merchandise Jersey. Uh it's a beautiful jersey. You've all seen it, celebrating so many goals, and now you can celebrate in it too if you win the draw that you enter by going to fantrax.com slash keeping and signing up to play and set up your league on Fantrax.
1: All right. And one last thing I want to mention, Brian, before we go back to the draft from earlier today, uh, where there's going to be a point either in part at the end of part one or at the start of part two, where there's going to be a swear word. OK, but it's going to be real. if you don't want to hear it, we're not going to bleep it out because it was kind of funny. But like there's going to be a part where we're like, oh, I think Max wants to say something. And then you're going to hear some shuffling and then it's going to turn out that Max's audio was like he didn't realize he had turned his audio on. Spoiler and alert. Then, well, okay, but I'm just letting people know. So if that's happening and if you don't want to hear some profanity, you know, skip ahead 30 seconds at that point, okay? So that's, that's, there, there's your content warning. Aside from that, uh, strap in for like a four-hour draft. Uh, I needed like a couple hours to shake it off before we came back to record all of this. Uh, but it was, it was a blast, and I can't wait to hear what people think about all of the picks and everything that happened. So yeah, tweet us at Kevin Carlson. <laughs> Let us know. But I guess with that, Brian, uh, why don't we just get back to it?
0: Let's get back to it, and you can hear a lot more of my voice coming up. All right, and Ovechkin is off the board uh, for $56 to Jordan. Uh, That kicks things off, and the next player on the board is somebody who is at the top of their position, and that's Igor Shostyorkin. Uh, whose bidding is already up to $34. And of course, we can already talk about the relative value of having a top-end goalie versus a top-end skater. And the bidding's over for Shostyorkin. So we we have a data point already, Mike. Shostyorkin goes for $34, $22 less than Alex Ovechkin. I mean, I can't imagine if Shostyorkin goes for $34. That's That's the top of the market, right? So compared to where we have Ovechkin, how are you feeling about that value?
3: I, I think it's pretty good. Uh, you know, if Shosturkin can repeat anything close to last year, I think that's a, a really great price for him. But it, it does kind of cap what goalies will go for here. Now you can kind of set your budget accordingly uh, to your own team. So you know you won't have to go out and spend $40 or $45 for a Vasilevsky or something like that. Unless, you know, bidding does get crazy. You know, things like that can happen in auctions. But you know that you won't have to spend that much if you still want to look go after one of those top four or five goalies.
0: Right. Like the fun part is that, you know, sometimes the first player from a tier of players can go for less than the rest because then the scarcity prevails, right? The market's set $34. Then if somebody wants Vasilevsky, really wants Vasilevsky, you're going to start at $34. And then if, if enough people are vying for him, he could go up. I don't know. I'm curious to see if he can break 40 bucks, um, being really the only other comparable to Shasturkin. If somebody's looking to have a Shasturkin type on their team, we have Connor McDavid, who uh, has been nominated, and uh, it's up to 80 bucks. So we are, that's 34 more, uh, 24 more than Ovechkin has gone for, and it's still going. Tom just up the ante to 81 over defending champ Max. Brian,
1: he went for 83 last year.
0: He went for eighty three last year, Connor McDavid. So that's our that's our comp. Uh, last year, by the way, Ovechkin went for three dollars less, and uh, Shosturkin went for thirteen dollars less. So Elon, thanks for adding in uh, from your impressive draft sheet. So McDavid is off the board for eighty one dollars, two dollars less than last year, which either means um, he's worth less than last year, or we ha- we're willing to be a bit more conservative. On, on on spending budget on him. So Mike, how do you see um, that McDavid bid? Let's just compare it uh, to Ovechkin. It's twenty five dollars more than Ovechkin, and of course, managers have budgets two hundred and sixty dollars. So Tom, uh, who spent some time out of Tier One after being one of the highest scoring teams in the Cupful for the fr- in the fr- in the early years of the league in all the Cupful, I uh, spent some time in tiers two and three, back in Tier One this year. Uh, $81 for McDavid. So that's all nearly a third of his budget spent on McDavid. Um, what do you think, Mike?
3: It 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 does seem really high when you when you're considering a 260 budget, but when you have it uh posted next to a I think the relative value seems pretty close. Um, just by my own season long projections, using a format similar to this where I have power play points instead of shorthanded points. Um I have McDavid worth about 30% more than Ovechkin if they both play 82 games. So um, where he goes, what, for $25 more as an $81 player, I think that's pretty close to the relative value. So even though it seems like a lot, a huge chunk of your budget, it seems like a pretty fair price, you know, when all is said and done.
0: Yeah, the value McDavid provides is is pretty unparalleled. You can't, there's one other player you can get that from. I'm not going to hide it it's austin matthews uh, so we'll see if uh if anybody uh, i'm curious to see how he goes i mean if we're looking for position comparables uh we've been gifted one early so thank you uh to whoever nominated andre vasilevsky who is off the board to brandon at brandonweeb.com, who's designed our cupful logos by the way it's a really incredible group of people multi-skilled athletes I'm calling you athletes today, tier one competitors. Uh, so Vasilevsky off the board for $28, six bucks less than Igor Shasturkin went to Matt. So uh, I don't know, Mike, if you're Matt, are you are you tilting a little
3: about about this? I, I mean, you can, I think, but I don't think you can get too mad at, at just a $6 price difference. Like again, if I, if Shasturkin repeats what he did last year and the big thing at the Rangers last year was just, um, they were kind of porous defensively, but I think, you know, the kid line really showed out, uh, uh, in the playoffs. I think that third line will make a difference for them defensively, maybe add some more wins to Shisterkin's total. So y- yeah, you don't always want to pay $6 more for a guy that's somewhat close in comparisons, but uh, you know, it's not one of those things that should tilt you off of your entire auction or anything like that.
0: Yeah. And maybe Matt's feeling well, uh, feel- feeling better now as a Boston Bruins fan. So we have five players who've been nominated and bid on four of them uh, have they've gone to four different teams. So Matt has been the first to add a second player to his roster before most managers have even added one. He's added Brad Marchand for 16 bucks, uh, which compared to last year's cost, $44 is a real steal. Uh, uh marchand has been going about 63rd, 64th on average and our could full drafts, which obviously is a hedge because you're going to get him at some point, just not sure when uh, the surgery that he had is like kind of a big deal. Hopefully he can come back from it and play well. We don't know yet exactly how he's going to look, um, but I mean, at 16 bucks, I guess it's a roll of the dice you can take. Of course, Matt is taking on the risk that he's going to dearly miss Brad Marchand while he's out. Cause there's some fancy leagues where you can draft. And this is how the leagues I won in my early fancy days, where you draft players. If they're out for a long time, you survive easily until the playoffs and then you crush the league with all your healthy players that can happen in tier one of the couple. Like you need to be competitive. Every single week, it's it's a it's a real fight from start to finish. So this is a calculated risk from Matt that Marchand is going to be back in time to help him. Um, Mike, do you have any takes on like, are you expecting Brad Marchand to be up to like full one hundred percent capacity, say by late October, early November, or are are you how are you approaching him in your drafts? Are you worried? Are you eager? What's what's your feel?
3: Yeah, it it is a concern just because of the nature of the surgeries, right? It's a double hip surgery for a guy that's, I think he's 33 or 34 years old now. Um, You know, this isn't a a 22 year old or something like that. Um, And I say that as a 36 year old, Yeah, (laughs) like I'm well over the hill now, but I I think that's, that's, that's the obvious concern is that he comes back and he's, you know, kind of like Tyler Sagan has been the last couple of years, right. Where Sagan really hasn't been the guy that he was three or four years ago before his surgeries, but at that price, it's, it's not something that, that just ruins your draft, even if, if Marchand's not the guy. And if he does come back, you know, let's say the middle of November and it takes him a few weeks to get back. If you have him at 100 percent by the start of December at that price for four months, including the playoffs, I, I don't think he can really complain about that too much.
0: I agree. Right. So so now Matt is sort of he's staking his claim. He's saying, I'm going to survive without Marchand. And then we'll see. We'll see if uh, how it goes from there. We have a, a set of double Dubrovsky picks that have just been made. And by the way, I want to say hi to everyone in the YouTube chat. Uh, I can't really keep an eye on that with all that's going on. But I appreciate like keep chatting in there. Keep doing your thing. Um, it's nice to see you. Usually I like to be a little more interactive, but here we are. So yeah, double Dabrowski picks back to back Joel uh, drew first blood there uh, spending $56. So the same amount as Alex Ovechkin for kill McCarr, who's been going on average fifth overall in our cup full league. So that's four spots ahead of Ovechkin for the same price. So on on the, like on the face value. That looks pretty good to me. That looks like a nice place to get Makar and then Elon uh goes on on has the least expensive player who has been one so far in Trevor Zegras paying $12 for Zegras who cost us $4 last year and uh of course worth more this year and I I like Elon's $12 valuation for it. Um Mike, any thoughts about how about let's do Makar versus Ovechkin and then you can speak to Zgrass's value?
3: Yeah, I I think that's the comparison to make, too. Right. I I don't think you can compare Makar to, you know, the McDavid and and Matthews kind of tier of centers. I think you got to compare him to the top of the wingers and where he goes. Uh, you know, right there with Ovechkin in in Cost. Um, I think that's fine because you know whether you have Makar, I think most people would have Makar as the number one defenseman, whether he's number one or number two with the OC uh, or what have you. You know, he's right there, and it's the same thing as Ovechkin. Even if you don't have him right at the absolute top of that winger tier list, he's near the top. So where you're taking guys that are right at the top of their tiers, them going around the same price, I feel like. Um, that's a that's a pretty good price to pay. And honestly, I think Makar can really return well for that $56. You know, if he plays 80 games and and you know, that pop, that Colorado power plays as lethal as ever. Um, I, you know, I don't really see a big problem with him uh returning value on that fifty-six dollars spent.
0: Yeah, that seems like I I like that. It's a great way to to start building a team. We've seen Makar, like this is territory we haven't seen defensemen going in. Honestly, I think dating back to the days where we 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 started keeping Carlson, where Eric Carlson was that first round pick that you drafted early. In fact, one of our drafters here uh, mentions that one of their first, uh, I don't have the name in front of me at the moment, but when their first fantasy league experiences was drafting, it might've been Lewis drafting Carlson middle of the first round, winning their league because of it. I feel like we haven't seen such value from defense since the days where Carlson and Burns could go up there. We've sort of, we've tried to have Hedman up there. We've tried to have uh, Dougie Hamilton up there, uh, Roman Yosi, John Carlson, they're guys, but none of them have come uh, come compared to what Makar has done. Uh, so then Zgras went off the board for $12 to Elon at center. Then Brandon spends uh, Ovechkin slash Makar money on his second player. So Brandon already had Vasilevsky for 28, adds Kirill Kaprizov. For $56, uh, which is, believe it or not, last year, Kaprizov went for $33. What a bargain relative to this year. Um, and then that was followed by Lewis uh, adding his first player. Of course, Lewis is equal of our short shifts podcast. Uh, Austin Matthews goes for $81, equal to McDavid. Of course, they're going one, two in our uh, snake draft in all tiers of the cupful and uh believe it or not like mcdavid's 80 81 compared to last year's 83 austin matthews could be had for 69 dollars last year which is pretty nice now now he's going for 81 that's mcdavid money
3: he deserves it though right yeah i think so um you know this is a guy that could you know he could I don't want to say he could threaten 70 goals, but man, if that team's just absolutely flying all year, like they were last year and he can manage 80 or 81 games or something like that, I think you could see a season out of him that we haven't seen since Alex Ovechkin's heyday. I mean, we saw that pretty much last year as it was anyway. Um, I, especially where you know shots and everything like that are valued in this league and that guy, he can just put up a ton of shots. Um, definitely no problem playing, paying, you know, right there in that McDavid tier. I think it's just fine.
0: All right. And then, yeah, so I uh, 100% agree. I, I, I've i seen arguments and I believe them that McDade, uh, Matthews is legit number one pick in our format over McDade because of that. Like, I know it's crazy, but I'm we're, we're saying it. You and I both, Mike, 70 goal upside. Um, It's there. It's there. So how can you turn away from that when you don't see any reason to think he is going to slow down? Like la- last year, when we see players have seasons like that, We always look for signs that this isn't going to last. Didn't see those signs at all. Like Austin Matthews, you know, as Ovechkin sort of fades, uh, maybe, assumptively, we have Matthews stepping up as the next generational goal scorer that we should honestly savor every moment watching. And I say that as somebody who has historically cheered for the Sens and against the Leafs. Speaking of the Sens actually Kachat- ends
3: up in Arizona in a couple of years anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's the blessing of Austin Matthews is that as great as he is, as much as we can celebrate him as a leaf, we can always drop that little troll that, <laughs> that he's, he's going to leave. He's going to pull it. They're going to, they're going to get done how Tavares did to long Island, but uh, he says all the right things in interviews. He's convinced me. He's going to say um, it'll be a really fun moment. I can't imagine they let him leave. Okay um wouldn't it be great if austin if the like arizona was still playing in the university arena when austin matthews goes there
3: i mean maybe it just turns out to be a great thing for that franchise you know if you can actually fill that and get the place rocking a little bit i know you know you'd rather play in front of 20,000 fans that are absolutely rocking, but you know, it might not necessarily be a bad thing for that team for the next couple of years, especially where they're in, in such the depths of the rebuild. I don't think, you know, it, it makes a huge difference. So maybe, maybe it'll help them on some nights.
0: Honestly, I've I've said this a few times on the show. I would, uh, I would love to, go to a game in Arizona this year. Like that seems really fun to watch NHL hockey. It happened in Ottawa for their early years at the Civic Center, which held 10,000. Uh, now to see NHL hockey in a 5,000 seat arena would be so much fun. Speaking of fun, Brandon in the chat, Brandon Weeb, one of our drafters says this is fun with a smiley face. And I'm trying to see if he he didn't draft anyone. I guess he's just passively finding it fun, which is lovely. I'm glad you're feeling that. It's a, it's a lot of stress and pressure. For these drafters who have made uh, several picks since I last updated everyone as I'm trying to update my own sheet as we go to. So I'll just drop some values, um, Mike, on you and then maybe maybe you can see if you can pick one out. So we have uh, Nathan McKinnon going to uh, previous Kikupful Ultimate Champion Max Fredrickson going for $67.00. Then Phil in his first appearance in tier one uh takes Brady Kachuk for $47. Uh that is Phil's first player. Joel, Joel, I'm I'm sorry, I'm just Elon's brother. This is the last time I'll use that context. Now everybody's gonna know Joel is Joel Dabrowski, Elon's brother. Um has Adam Fox for $33, pairing him with his Kale McCarr that he got for $56. So 2D to start uh to start a to start a team. That's fun. And then Ryan, who won the Cuckupful fast track last season, which means he was in tier six. And this is available for anyone in any tier. If you score the most points in the Cuckupful through the Cuckupful season, doesn't matter what tier you're in. You get to go on the fast track to tier one. And that's what Ryan did. So he's going from tier six to tier one. He's going to be someone who's really fun to watch this year to see what he can accomplish, not having had. Uh, the practice or initiation of playing against tier one and tier two and tier three players, you know, as the warm up that a lot of folks get. So we'll see how Ryan fares. He's added his first defenseman, Dougie Hamilton, for $31, $2 less than Adam Fox. And Jordan, uh, tier one returnee, adds Chris Kreider for, am I seeing this right? $22? Okay. Um, and then I have one more pick, Mike, and then you let me know what you think. Uh, Leon Dreisiedel goes to Matt for 75 dollars so matt is spending fast and furious he has just jorkin martian and dry style three players well uh four managers brendan lori drafting from finland by the way oh and brendan's drafting from australia i think it's like 4 a.m and this is his third draft in the last 18 hours So, way to go worldwide league everybody oh and mark who's in ireland also doesn't have a player and Harrison, who I believe is somewhere in North America. I'll check on that. Uh, those four managers don't have a player. Well, Matt has already collected three, Ilya Sorokin off the board to Ryan for $17. Mike, I'm gonna catch my breath and uh, and let you share any thoughts about what you've just heard.
3: Yeah, I, I think I, you know, Joel going with McCarr and Fox, uh the double defenseman to to kind of start his draft is is real interesting. Um they come in at $89 total. That's roughly one third uh, of his team's budget. Uh, Like, I don't know what, what anybody's draft plans were. And that's the thing with an auction is, is sometimes you might have a plan coming into it. And after the first 10 guys are off the board, you have to completely change up your plan. So I'm not sure if he intended to go in that direction or not, but it's, I don't even really mind it because I, I know everybody has different projections and, and, And whatever for for different players but I have you know is my top defenseman I think a lot of people do and I have Adam Fox as a top five defenseman uh in formats similar to this so if you know you're in a a league of this size and you can lock down two top five defensemen as long as they stay healthy you have a huge comparative advantage of that position over everyone else presuming you know nobody gets like Yossi and Hedman or or something like that so um I kind of like that start because in a league like this you, you do have to uh, find advantages where they might not exist. Cause I think a lot of people have will have somewhat similar values for similar players. So um, if you can give yourself a big leg up at one position, maybe you can go find some better values to kind of float uh, to float your scoring at, as the season goes on. So I, I kind of like that start. It's, it's a little bit different, but um, it, it's one of those things that can definitely work out as long as those guys stay healthy. And um Dougie Hamilton for $31 is interesting because I think you're seeing him go at a lot of different ADPs or prices on different sites. You know, there are some places you'll see him go off as a top 10 10 defenseman on the board. Uh, Some places it's closer to, you know, like the top 20. Um, I think a lot of people have varying values on on Dougie Hamilton this year. And, you know, I've written about him over at Dauber Hockey. He's had some really good seasons. There's, I think, 2015-2016 back in calgary was just a monster season for him even though he didn't put up you know like 75 points or something like that it was you know 53 or 54 point season but he was really good uh just a couple years ago he was a a top three defenseman in, in most fantasy formats as well so um you know hamilton going a little bit less than fox makes it seem like he's being valued here as a top 10 defenseman and not top 20 but Uh, For anybody watching or listening to this, um, you know, I think he's somebody really to keep in mind. There are some drafts where he's kind of slipping through the cracks. And um, I really do like uh, uh, Hamilton this season. I I like New Jersey as a whole. Um, I think we're going to see some real good things out of them. So grabbing Dougie Hamilton at 31. And the last one before we jump to this next group of players, of course, is Kreider at $22. If he can come close to repeating anywhere near what he did last year, that could be one of the best steals of the draft, right? Um, it's just a question. Can he repeat anywhere as close to that shooting? You know, career high shooting percentage, career high uh, shots per game, that those types of things. You know, half his goals came on the power play, I believe. Um, you know, there's a lot that he has to repeat. But, he, you know, even if he falls off by 25 percent, or 30%, um, you know, and, and goes down to 35 goals and, and 200 shots. I think you're perfectly fine with $22. So I think there's a lot of upside in that pick if he can come close to what he did last year. And if he doesn't, I think it's just fair value. So I, I really do like that that uh, price on Crowder at
0: $22. Me too. I, and we'll find out more about how, you know, how that sits alongside other players who've gone for similar values. Since then, Elias Lindholm uh, has gone for $24. So there's uh there's one data point. So two dollars more than Chris Kreider, even though uh, they've been going at about the same. Well, they've been going not even though they've been going about the same place in ADPs. And going back to what you were saying about Hamilton, Mike, I feel like we're seeing some of that like tier one knowledge come yeah. out. Like yeah. like these guys are serious. They've done their homework. They know what to expect. Chris Kreider twenty two dollars. Yeah, on one hand, is a bargain. Last year, Chris Kreider went for $9, and so that showed what people expected him to do. And $22 seems like a fair hedge between what he did last year and what he's done historically. We've talked about his power play shooting percentage and how it was wild, but we'll see how much of that he can like I I could still see him definitely beating that value, but you're not seeing people clamor for him as you might in your usual uh, fantasy hockey home leagues or public leagues. And then the other piece that, you know, tells me that tier one's done their homework is Dougie Hamilton. You know, you were waxing poetic about him and rightfully so. I I think he should be back to where he was being drafted before this disappointing season. I think there were a lot of reasons things went wrong. New team injury. Uh, clearly something was off. And I, I feel like it's safe to assume that he's going to come back. And so we're seeing uh, Dougie Hamilton go for essentially the same price as Adam Fox, just $2 less, even though he's being picked 52nd overall in the cupful drafts versus 26 overall for Adam Fox. So a 25 pick roughly difference in where they're going in our 42 cupful divs, uh, 41, sorry. But in tier one, we see them as basically equal. So I, I think that's interesting. And also Dougie Hamilton lost $8 on his value from last year of all the players drafted so far. He is the only one, like Conor McDavid's down $2. I'm not going to count that. Vasilevsky's down $6 from last year's value. Uh, Marchand, I'm going to excuse him from this conversation because he's injured. But Doug A. Hamilton has had the single year biggest year-to-year drop in value from last year, which just shows how much people's faith has been shaken. But that could be a real good get for uh, Fast Track winner Ryan, who has since added... Uh, let's see, Ilya Sorokin for $17. We've also seen, I think I mentioned Drysaddle go for $75 to Matthew. Um, what else have we seen happen? Jake Gensel for $40 to Harrison. Brandon, Brandon Weeb. Uh, we have a Brandon and a Brendan, so I'm going to really emphasize their names. Uh, Brandon uh, takes Kucherov for $58. That's two bucks more than Ovi as a reference point. And Brendan, as I mentioned, takes Elias, Elias Oh, there's going to be a lot of talking today. Elias Lindholm for $24 as a, as a centerman. And uh, speaking of centerman, we've seen, uh, well, two former teammates go off the board back to back. Joel adds to his cabal of defense, Makarin Fox. adds Jonathan Huberto for $39. I'm going to have to see how that compares to last year's value. And. Uh, what did we do? and we also saw Barkov go off the board for 48, uh former teammate of Huberdeau, of course. Um, Romagnozzi is off the board for 47. So that is uh I'm trying to find a comp for that. Well, we talked about Adam Fox at thirty three, and we had McCarr at 56. So Romagnozzi closer to Kel McCarr in that comparison. Patrick Keane has gone off the board for $36. Hmm. Hmm, I don't know. I, I think the standout there, Mike, is Huberdeau at 39 being one of the less expensive forwards. Like for uh, I'll, I'll use Brady Kachuk as a reference point. Uh, he went for 47. I guess Jake Gensel for 40 is right in that Huberdeau uh, wheelhouse. That seems right, I guess. But it seems like a. it's to me, it seems like nice value compared to your Ovechkin at, at 56 and your Kucherov at 58. Huberto for Huberto and Gensel for a lot less. I mean, that's how it's going in drafts too. Um, that seems pretty good to me.
3: Yeah, I agree. I, I actually have Huberto and Gensel one right after the other in my ranking so that their $1 apart um, really makes sense to me. Um, you know, they're not at that upper echelon left wing tier, you know, with the Ovechkin and Kaprazov so that they're, they're a fair bit cheaper. Um, obviously does make sense. Um, what was interesting was that... Um, I, I was I was kind of I was going to be worried about Huberto moving away from Barkov, but I think I'm actually more concerned the other way. I guess now I can talk about both of them now that they're off the board. You know, I'm worried about you know how that Florida power play is going to manage without Huberto there. Like he is genuinely one of the top uh, playmakers in the league. Um, you know, I don't think you'd put him right there with McDavid or something like that, but he's certainly right under um, you know with the Godro or with a Marner or, or, or something like that. So. Um, I'm kind of, you know, I'm waiting to see how that Florida power play shakes out because I know it's only preseason and you know things can change quickly in preseason. But Florida seems to be running uh, a three-four-two defenseman top power play unit or has been in their last few practices. So, um, you know, if they're going with uh, Brandon Montour instead of a fourth forward on the top power play, and they lose Huberto, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about what that Florida power play might produce. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Florida is one of more one of the more fascinating teams with all the all the swaps that they've made in the off season.
0: Yeah, Florida and Calgary, right? Like both are so changed from what we saw from them last year. Um, I don't know. Uh, like I, I don't know how much to impact that Montour appearing on power play one was real interesting, and I think he's for all the drafts that have ended, and I I don't. I assume he was not drafted. I haven't double checked that, but uh, I'm going to guess he's going on a lot of watch lists and is going to be first day waiver wire fab bits. Uh, you know, <laughs> once we once we get there. Um to recap some more action, I stopped at Patrick Kane off the board for $36. We're seeing Sebastian Aho at 31 since then and Alex Debrinkit at 28, Mitch Marner at 50.
3: Yeah, I I I, no, I I think that Aho at 31 is an interesting number because obviously, you know, there are the top four centers that go off the board. You know, we've talked about them before. And then I think there's kind of another tier of center, especially in a league um that counts hits. So I think, you know, maybe like Barkov or or maybe even like a JT Miller might be in, in a tier of their own um when you factor in production and and hits and all that. And then I think you have another tier below that with, with Aho. And it'll be interesting to see. What other centers go for around that price? Because I, I I think everybody's kind of waiting for Aho to really put it all together and not be like a seventy five or eighty point guy, but closer to like a, you know an ninety or a ninety five point guy. Um, you know we'll see if if Carolina can take if he and Carolina can take that step this year. I, I you know everybody's just waiting for that next year from Aho. Not like he's you know like I said, it's not like he's a a bad producer or anything. Seventy five or eighty points would be a really good season. Um, but I think everybody's just kind of waiting to see if he can take that next leap. And whenever he does, um he's gonna be a great value for for whoever gets gets him, whether it's this year or next year whenever that comes.
0: yeah, I guess we've talked about aho on the show in like in the same vein, like he is a talented fellow. Uh, he seems really good, really reliable for a near point per game pace, if not having that actual or maybe even a touch more. great shorthanded producer too. yep, but in Carolina, My take has been that there is there's a there's a ceiling on him because of how evenly that team spreads minutes between their lines and that he's never actually going to have the minutes he needs unless he goes on like a shooting percentage bender or his line mates do. Uh, He's not going to ever really have the opportunity the way things are in place right now with Rod Brindmore in Carolina. He won't have that opportunity to reach his true upside.
3: That's yeah. my take. Yeah, no, it's a good point you bring up because he was over twenty minutes a game as a twenty-one year old and he was under nineteen minutes a game last year. He's playing more he's playing less as he gets older, which is typically not something that you see uh from players in the NHL. And I, I think there are other teams. Uh, that spread out ice time, whether at even strength or, or or on the power play. I'm not going to mention them because, you know, maybe it might affect some drafting here. But I think that's an important point to bring up. It, you know, not every number one center plays 21 minutes a night or something like that. There is a difference between playing, you know, 18 and a half to 19 minutes or playing 20 and a half to 21 minutes. And I think you're see, you're definitely seeing that in, in, in some of those, fri- those prices. You know, Mitch Marner at $50, for example, if he's playing 18 minutes a night instead of, you know, 20 to 21, you don't see him go for $50. And I think uh, factoring in ice time is something that I think some people uh, tend to not some, you know, not definitely not this crew. This is a very, very sharp crew. Um, but I think some people tend to overlook how ice time is used uh, amongst top players uh, across different teams. And, and Aho is a very good example of that.
0: And another example of that has gone off the board uh, right after Aho. We saw Alex Debrinkit go off the board for $28. He's Mark's First player, Mark playing from Ireland. Uh, he Mark won the won the regular season, uh, the president's trophy, if you will, in tier one of the cupful last year and uh it fell to Elon eventually, but he did it with such a strong draft. He was actually talking about this in our Discord server today. Someone was asking, Well, is it just whoever makes the most moves is gonna win? It's like, no, that shows like you're an engaged manager. Uh, one, but two, it doesn't guarantee, like, and, and of course, engaged managers are going to do better than disengaged managers, but you can be quiet like Mark and engaged, but uh, not so active because he ended up with a lot of players who were not superstars. This was his draft strategy, to not add superstars, but to have a, a, a good chunk of mid-level players who are all consistent and too good to drop, and there's not a lot of room to churn extra games or players and it word for him in the end. And I see him going for that strategy that worked so well for him last year with Alex Debrinkit, who I brought up because you were talking about those even power plays. And uh, Ottawa seems like a place. I mean, apparently Debrinkit and Giroux aren't going to crack PP1 to start the year, which tells me that they're going to run two roughly even units, is my guess. Like that Kachuk uh, Norris Batherson uh, top power play unit. I'm forgetting someone there. Good look, Stoochla. Thank you. Like are So dynamic and dangerous. Like you watch them. A lot of power plays have like their one guy. Like you've got your Ovechkin power play. You've got your Yosey power play. You had your Brent Burns power play, but on like on that power play last year, you never knew exactly who it was going to come from. It's like, they have a system that is dominant instead of one player. So they're keeping that together. Maybe they get less time this year though, because of course, you're going to want to bring an injury out there with a man advantage too. And Ottawa might have just enough personnel to run two reasonably comparable power play units. Um, at, what do you think, Mike? Like how do you see that limiting or maybe just temporarily, if you think to bring it can ascend from there. Uh, but what do you think that does to his production this year?
3: Yeah, I, I think it makes it tough, you know, with the power plays getting so much better in the league, um, you know, um, power play opportunities are up over the last few years. Power play percentages are up. So power play production is important. I mean, um, Nikita Kucherov is off the board now, but, you know, he had, what, 30 power play points in 48 games or something like that last year. Like a few years ago, you might only get a handful of players that got 30 power play points at all. Um, and now it seems like you're going to get, you know, a, a, a lot of skaters at the top reaching that mark. I can see it from a real life perspective that if you throw two good, relatively even power plays at the opposition, you could kind of wear down the penalty kill. Cause like, let's face it teams might have one good penalty kill pair, maybe two at the most. Um, You know, certainly once you get to the third, third, third pair of forwards and defensemen um, you're either running back out the first pair again, or you're, or you're getting a lot weaker. So um, I think it's something that could work out well in real life. And I, I, the Leafs didn't exactly do that, but I, I want to think it was like four years ago, maybe um, Mitch Marner was spending some time on the second power play unit. And it was really, really doing uh, wonders for them. Uh, you know, once Matthews and those guys got off the ice, the Marner unit went on and they actually did very, very well against weaker yeah, competition. So I remember. I, I'm wondering if, if the Brinkad and Giroux can do that, but if Ottawa is running two fairly even power play units, you know, by both skill and ice time, I, it, it's something that probably help, helps a team in real life, but probably caps their upside in the fantasy game.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well said. Uh, one guy who's upside is through the roof this year, or at least has been recognized for the first time. Um, this is so far the single biggest year-to-year gain in auction draft value. Last year, this player went for $16. I don't know if you can see the screen, Mike, but do you want to guess he went for forty
3: four dollars this year? Any guesses on who it is? Yeah, it's it's got to be Timo Meyer. It's Timo um, Meyer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'll just pat myself. I'll give myself a little Barry Horowitz here and pat myself on the back. <laughs> he was one of my favorite values going into the season last year because, you know, in, in leagues where you count hits and where you count shots, you know, you count those peripherals. He had been posting those numbers. He just wasn't converting, you know, converting it into a lot of goals. Uh, The goals finally came last year. Of course, more shots. Uh, The power play time was a big one. Like he, he was not getting the power play minutes earlier in his career that he probably should have been. And now that they finally gave him those power play minutes, um, everything kind of all game came together in the same in one season. You know, if he's playing 19, 20 minutes a game, I know that team's not very good, but he should still be, you know, 30 goals three and a half shots per game, um, you know, a ton of hits. I, you know, it seems like a hefty price to pay for a winger that could end up on like, you know, bottom six or bottom 17. Um, but I still think Timo Meyer is just one of the better across the board producers that there is on the wing in fantasy. And um, it's nice to see him uh, kind of, you know, turn into the player we knew he could be. And, you know, I think that price of $44 is just perfectly fine.
0: For anyone watching on YouTube, I'm going to just let you know. Um, and sorry, Mike, I, I totally was listening and I agree with you. 40, 44 seems good. His, his ADP in the cup has been 20th overall. Uh, but it's been on the rise for sure. Especially ever since Dom sheet came out, just because he's such a reliable shooter. When someone's taking as many shots as he is, and is going to get so many opportunities, uh, There's a lot to like. There's a good floor. If you can trust a guy to take four, maybe five shots a night, that's a solid floor for our scoring system of what he can contribute. Um, For anybody watching on YouTube, I have put up a list of the auction values. Maybe, you know what, maybe I'm going to even share this sheet in the chat so you all can follow along because there has been a, oh gosh, I think I just shared my personal email with everyone. Uh, (laughs) Don't go back and look. All right. Do me a favor. Uh, I'm going to share this um, in the YouTube chat for those wanting to keep an eye on my sheet live. Okay. And I'm going to go back to the present screen. This is the magic of podcasting. We had our loudest ovation amongst the drafters so far uh, with Mark's next pick. So we last talked about Mark. Presidents Trophy winner last year in Tier One, Alex Debrinkit for twenty eight bucks. He has since added Tristan Jari for sixteen dollars, which had uh, a lot of comments in the chat. Like this was the the biggest reaction, so the biggest pop we've had so far from anybody. Uh, for, yeah, from from anybody's pick. So uh, Tristan, I like I like Jari a lot this year. I like the pens a lot this year. Me and Dave Benton on the stream scheme are kind of on the same page, feeling like. They're determined, they're committed. I drafted three for my own couple team. I had Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. by the end of I think it was the fifth or sixth round. And I was like eyeing Jari and eyeing Petrie and eyeing Raquel and Russ down the road too. Like I felt like I could add all of these guys value that I liked. Uh and having the goalie on that team. Like Jari is look, he he's not a world beating goalie, but I think he's up to the challenge in Pittsburgh. He's going to be a, a he's going to take on a heavy workload there. Hopefully they're going to pile up some wins. He seems like a a, a goalie who continues to fly under the radar just because of, well, he had a playoff meltdown two years ago, last year he had a playoff injury. So we haven't really seen a whole lot of what Jari can offer, like when he's in the biggest spotlight possible. And I think that means some, uh, some sneaky value for him in drafts.
3: Yeah. I, I think the workload that you brought up is probably is one of the more important points here. Right. Um, there aren't really a ton of goalies that are threats to start 60, you know, to make 60 starts in a season. Um, Jari had, i just looked it up. He had 56 starts, 58 appearances last year. You know, if he's healthy, he could see 60 starts this year and there won't be a lot of goalies that get to that point. So, you know, if if Pittsburgh can keep it together and be a playoff team and Jari stays healthy, he can make 60 starts, you know, 35 wins is definitely, um, definitely in play for him, you know, at that price. You know, I don't think there's really any complaints to be made about Jerry at $16.
0: Me neither. Uh, Yeah, I really like that as as everyone else. Also, some fun context. Um, Joel has shared that that Huberto pick that we were liking for $39 was an auto draft because like he lost connection briefly. (laughs) I still think it worked out pretty well. So that means Yahoo was like auto bidding up on whoever else did. I don't think... Like, I, I think that's probably a really fortunate auto draft.
3: Yeah, th- there, there are definitely much worse uh, things that could have happened there than getting Jonathan Hubert over $39. So uh, I think you just kind of tip your cap and, and and hope it doesn't happen uh, to, to a much worse player much later in the draft.
0: Uh, we have, uh, I'm just looking in the chat here. Lewis. Oh, Lewis is in the ch- two chats and the draft. That Lewis. Uh, we have Matt Duchesne going for $16, which, uh, might not sound like a bargain. However, uh, it is $16 more than he went for last year. Uh, if my memory serves, I'm just, I'm just looking up the data to confirm. Mike, I've been, um, I've been, I've been boosting Matt Duchesne. Like he's a guy who I actually have ended up drafting more often than I would have liked. Um, because like he kind of bores me just a little is not having like massive upside. And of course, like there's the concern that he's been up and down and you can't necessarily rely on him to be good, but I've looked, I've looked his numbers up and down side to side for like several, at several points last season and through this off season and at my draft table, I can't find reason to disbelieve that Matt Dushin can put up another point per game or near point per game season. uh, And I'm curious to see if you agree, because if you do, $16 seems like I'm seeing who else went for 16 at forward. Um, Nobody. Chris Kreider went for 22, but we like that value. Zgrass went for 12. So let's use Zgrass versus Duchesne here. Zgrass at 12 at center. Duchesne at wing for 16. How, uh, How are you feeling about Duchesne's season? To come
3: yeah i nashville is one of the teams that i'm worried about um overall just because it seemed like a lot went right for them last year like you know duchene had a had a career season i know forsberg missed some games but it was probably his best offensive output on a per game basis as well ryan johansson had a great second half um you know roman yossi of course just absolutely torched Uh, the league for points, UC Saros was great. Like It it, it seemed like a lot came together for them last year. And I'm kind of worried that, you know, everybody just kind of peaked at the same time and that they might fall back a bit. But it's not like, you know, paying $16 for him, you're not paying for that production he did last year. You know, if everybody really thought he was going to be a 40-40 guy again, he would have gone for more than $16. So, you know, that regression kind of seems built into it. And then, you know, I think that, you know, the team's gonna be, you know, one of the things that hurt them last year was they didn't have a lot of scoring depth, right? They actually relied on that training and Sissons line a fair bit, uh, you know, not only in a checking role, but for some production. Uh, but they had you know need a rider in the offseason. He should uh, you know, potentially put up 20 goals for them. Uh, Philip Tomasino was a guy that um I've been kind of pumping his tires uh in the offseason. Looks like he might start in the top six. Like it looks like there's finally gonna be some depth scoring. Here, so you know, maybe that top line doesn't get keyed on um as much by the opposition. And even if you know Duchesne falls back to 25, 30 goals and you know, 35 assists or something like that, you know, paying $16 for a guy that does that with three shots per game, um, I think it's just fine. So, you know, it seems that price is built in the regression is built into that price, and you know, there's absolutely nothing to complain about there. And if he if he comes close, it's like Crowder, if he comes anywhere as close to repeating what he did last year, it's a great, great value.
0: I was thinking exactly that, Mike, with that Crider price, like a little less expensive than he could have gone for. But you've got that regression built into the price. And I I think that makes it fair for Duchesne. How about this, Mike? I've seen a, a couple Rangers go off the board back to back. Uh, we had, and a former Ranger, so maybe I'll just use him as a touch point because it's a similar similar value. So JT Miller goes off the board for 34 bucks, which is 13 more than he went for last year. Um, and then current Rangers, Mika Zabanejad and Artemi Panarin go off the board for $33 a piece, To one to Harrison, one to Lori, and uh, that is down $16 from last year's value. Uh, to for Zabanajad and $14 less than last year's value to Panarin. I don't know, Mike, I'm not seeing any reason to think they're worth that much less this year than they would have been last year. They're on the same team. I'm wondering uh, like Harrison in the chat after getting Jad was like questions, Rangers disrespect Matt on drafter other drafters saying not what he expected. Tom Panarin under $40. Question mark exclamation mark question mark exclamation mark We have a, some some shocked responses to people who could have also bid these players up higher. All right, depending on their budget situations, as as budget continues to be spent through the draft. But yeah, that seems I like those picks a lot. Like that actually seems to me, of all the players we've drafted, drafted so far, that could be draft winning value right there. If you're saving fifteen bucks while getting a superstar.
3: Yeah, I I think the issue with Panarin would be in, in a format like this is the peripherals aren't very strong, right? Is you know his shots per game has, have gone down the last couple of seasons. Um, he he's never been a hitter, so he doesn't hit a lot. So you're not getting much out of him there either. And you know if he doesn't shoot a lot, he's not going to score a ton. So now you know you don't have a uh, an elite goal. He probably won't be an elite goal scorer. He won't have a ton of shots. Won't hit a lot. So if he go, if his teammates go into a dry spell where they're not finishing and he's not racking up those assists, there's really not a lot else that he can bring. Right. So as long as the top, as long as the Rangers top six and top power play scores, like they did last year, then yeah, it absolutely no problem paying $33 for that. The, the problem would be, you know, if that, you know, shooting percentage does dry up a little bit, the main source, you know, the real source of value from our Panarin takes a hit because he, he's starting to rely on assists, uh, to float his value, it, it, he's not you know one of those guys that can get by with you know three or four shots a game and still bring something even when he's not scoring. So I think Good that would be, that would be the one problem. But you know Zabanski certainly uh, doesn't have that problem. I think the only problem there um, with the Rangers is I'm, I'm interested to see how that top power play works out. I know we wouldn't consider Ryan Strom being like a key cog of the top power play, right? But he have been there for a couple seasons. Um, you know they run mostly the same power play. Whenever they were healthy, all the time, Uh, you take out one guy, you're going to substitute in a different guy. How they perform? I know in smaller samples, I was writing about it at Dauber Hockey. Smaller samples, shot rates and goal rates went down without Strom uh, on the power play. So I'm interested to see how all that works out. I like I don't have real big concerns. There are still a lot of great playmakers, uh, Panarin and Fox, especially uh, Crider's great down in and around the net. Um, so I'm not super concerned, but again, sometimes it can just be that one little change that really kind of throws everything off. So, um, I'd rather have Zibanejad than Panarin, I think at that price, but, uh, as long as they can come close to what they did last year, then they both should be fine.
0: Okay. Okay. So not, not as high. And I guess like for, for Panarin too, I feel like it doesn't matter who he plays with, Uh, But he'll have a new centerman this year in Vincent Trocek, which, you know, could could change things and dynamics. So we'll see how well he manages that. I think now, Mike, as we come up to the one hour mark might be a good moment. We have actually the biggest ticket player in a long time on the board right now. So I'm going to preempt what I was actually going to say. We have Miko Rantanen, and I've seen the price keep getting bid up by a buck, a buck, a buck, a buck, since he was at about $48. He's up to $59 in a bidding war between, it looks like, Phil, who has just one player, Brady Kachuk so far, and Matt, who is collecting Boston Bruins amongst his five players. Uh, now it's up to 60 which would make him, uh, by my math, does this make him only... I guess he's behind McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon. And I think that's it. And he's off the board for 60 bucks. Hmm. Ninth, ninth, going ninth or 10th overall in our cupful drafts. Huge bidding war. Matt, Matt won it. So <laughs> Phil still has just a uh, drafting from the Ottawa Valley. He still just has one one player, which is not a problem because Phil has a uh, $213 budget. Meanwhile, Matt is down to 42 and still has um, a lot of players to add to his roster. 12 more players with $42. So uh, that means Phil really holds the hammer here. Mark, by the way, has two players with $216. They're the ones to watch. Uh, Matt at $42 might need to take a seat for a little bit. Ryan has 83, Lewis is 96. So we're seeing some, some large budget disparities come in here. Um, I was going to zoom out for a bit, but uh, I mean, we've heard before we do with such a big splash with Miko Ranton and Mike, he, we don't know how the abs lines are going to look, especially with injury news recently about Landis and also about Nichushkin, we've heard that Rantanen might be a second line center this year, depending on how things shake out. How are you? Are you looking at him any differently because of lines being in flux? Because obviously, they don't have Kent to anchor their second line this year. Or are you? Um, are you thinking like same old Rantanen, no matter where he plays, I'm still going to have the same expectations for him?
3: Yeah, I, I think there's two things to say about this. First, the price for for sixty dollars, I think. You know, we talked earlier about, um, you know, maybe if a, a few of the top goalies go off the board, you might see the fourth or fifth, you know, best goalie go for a little bit more than than um, some people might have him projected for. And I think that's kind of uh, what you're seeing here. You know, Kucherov is gone. Uh, David Pasternak is gone. Matthew Kachuk is gone. Um, Patrick Kane is gone. Um, all the top right wingers are really off the board. Um, and Miko Rantanen is kind of the last man standing. Um, at that position, you know, right at the top. So I think it's a function of of, of a, of a bit of scarcity there as well. And the second point is, yeah, that second line center is something I've written about a number of times over at Dauber hockey is uh, like, I think that they might get to a point where Rantanen ends up the second line center behind Nathan McKinnon, um, I don't, Alex Newhook did not look that great last year, no matter where he was playing. Um, And his underlying stats weren't really that stellar either. Um, You know, they brought in Evan Rodriguez. Uh, I I think if you stick Rodriguez between, let's say, um, Natushkin and Landeskog or something like that, I think you can get away with him as the second line center, as long as as he has uh, great wingers there with them. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, if we leave Rantanen on the top line and, you know, Cox hurt or something like that. You know, if you're putting him with with uh, new hook and, and Lekkinen or something like that, I'm not sure he can do it. So uh, I think we might get to a point where Rantanen does end up the second-line center, and, you know, they still have a lot of good wingers. He should still be, you know, just absolutely fine. It's just, you know, we definitely want him playing on the top line with McKinnon instead. And it'll be interesting to see how that second-line center Shakes out for Colorado this year because, you know, this is the defending Stanley Cup champions that's still trying to figure out who their second line center is. Um, it's definitely an interesting situation um with the abs
0: and it's curious what you say, Mike, about Ranton and potentially changing like deployment to a less preferable situation and his value actually went up this year, $11 compared to last year. So that, that could be a big bet. It is in line like Ovechkin was going around the same place uh, in our, in our couple drafts. Um, So was uh, Kucherov. So Ranton going for a few bucks more than those guys, but being drafted around the same place in our 41 divisions. So I guess, um, yeah, I, I, To be honest, I'm trying to think of why he wasn't going for... Was he injured at the start of the year? Why he wasn't going for this much last year? I can't remember offhand. Uh, Someone whose value went up over last year, which is not common for someone entering their age. I think it's 37 season. Brent Burns goes for 23 bucks to Ryan, who uh, last year, Brent Burns went for $21. Now on a new team, which is sometimes a red flag, But I actually feel like he's one guy of all the guys changing teams. He's the guy that I'm like, yes, this is actually going to work for him. I feel more confident about his ability to produce in Carolina despite his age uh, than I did last year. And I'm actually okay. I I would rather gotten him for a little less. Like, I don't think he's a bargain at that price, considering we had Quinn Hughes go for 23. I'm trying to see some other similarly priced D here. I haven't really been any. We had Fox and Hamilton at 33 and 31 as other touch points. Um yeah, so where was I going with that question? I would have liked Brent Burns for a little less, but at this price seems okay. Like are you are you optimistic with the change of team here too? Do you think he can sort of rejuvenate his numbers being Carolina's basically lone offensive defenseman?
3: Yeah, I and I think of all the spots for him to land, it might be one of the best. Like, you know, we did talk about how spread out ice time, you know, could sometimes hurt the forwards. But one thing Carolina does do is they definitely give their defensemen the green light um, to move, you know, skate with the puck whenever they have a chance and to be very aggressive in the neutral zone and be aggressive offensively. And I think that's something that will play well to Burns' strengths um, is, you know, forcing, you know, turnovers, um, stepping up and and taking the puck the other way. Um, you know, trying to find lanes for shots and, and things like that. I, I, I think the way Carolina plays, it's it's one of the best landing spots he could have hoped to go for, stepping right into the top power play unit. Um, like you said, going for, uh, um, you know, what, a little bit more than Quinn Hughes, I think might, I don't know, if, see, but see, I don't know if it's if it's an overpaid for Burns or an underpaid for Hughes, right? Um, I, we'll definitely find out. Yeah. By the end. I think it's a great price on Quinn Hughes, Um, whereas 23 for Burns feels like just kind of fair
0: what we say about Hughes is in our format where I mean apparently he said he's going to shoot more this year that's a goal but generally based on his history he has not shot more and uh, as a result he's basically assist or nothing like he doesn't block He doesn't score goals. So that's like a downside to Quinn Hughes in our format, as well as like categories formats where he's going to be elite one way, but he's not going to do a whole lot the other way. So I, I, I don't know. I guess it depends how involved Brent Burns gets in Carolina, but I, I might lean, I don't know. So Brian, if if I could chime in.
1: Yeah. I, I don't remember. I don't have a source because I'm in the middle of drafting, but someone tweeted at us with like some link of like Hughes has worked really hard this summer to, to shoot, shoot more. more. And his place I is said that. Oh yeah. So I don't know if yeah. like, but yeah, how much do you read it? If he shoots
0: more, more, like, Hey man, I will, I will pay that price to find out if he shoots more, I guess. Mike, have you heard anything about this?
1: Yeah,
3: I, it was something I was talking about with, I, I think it was Mike D'Amato who runs Goalie Post over at, uh, at Dauber Hockey. He actually just uh, got hired by Sportsnet as well. Sportsnet.
0: Congrats, Mike.
3: Yeah, so Mike's Mike's doing well. Him and I were talking about Hughes maybe a month or so ago, and somebody chimed in with an off-season reporter, an off-season interviewer, something like that, saying that was absolutely going to be a focus for Hughes uh, this off-season, working on the shot. And it was something that the team wanted him to do more, was kind of be more a threat with the puck because, you know, when Hughes has the puck, he's looking for lanes uh, for teammates. He's not looking for lanes to the net. And if he can add that threat, um, I think it makes him a much more uh, dangerous defenseman and obviously would help his fantasy value tremendously. And if those reports come to fruition, you know, Hughes at $21, I believe it was, could be, uh, you know, one of the uh, best bargains of the draft so far.
0: Yeah. 23, but same, same deal. Same deal. Um, seven dollars more than last season, too. Then he went in tier one. So we are seeing some optimism that his value can appreciate for sure. Because obviously it takes several people to bid a player up uh that far above their value last year. Uh that's uh it's not one of the bigger jumps, but it's uh it's it's notable as a jump from last year. Uh Evgeny Kuznetsov, the star of last year's auction draft, $2 Evgeny Kuznetsov is now $12 Evgeny Kuznetsov uh, with, I mean, he's with Ovechkin. Backstrom's out, and even if he's in, he's not as effective as he once was. He's not as tied to Ovechkin as he once was. So uh, if Ovechkin is going to score another 50, you're going to want the guy playing at even strength and on the power play with him. So that's not a bad, uh, not a bad grab right there for $12. That's z Money for Matt, who Matt, Matt has seven players and $30 left for the remaining 11. So he can spend on average less than $3. The most he can spend on any player the rest of the way is 20, which would put him at dollar players at the end of the draft. Ryan is the other team with the most, with also seven players. Um, maybe I'll talk about it. Now I'm going to do what I want, wanted to do when I mentioned Rantanen. I think, which is a uh, zoom out and just look at some of the bigger draft trends here. So Matt and Ryan each have seven players. Matt has just Marshawn, dry Seidel, Hall, Quinn Hughes, Miko Rantanen and Evgeny Kuznetsov. Ryan has Dougie Hamilton, Sorokin, Matthew Kachuk, Kyle Connor, JT Miller, Matt Duchesne and Brent Burns. So like a mix of, we have some high end, we have some middle end, don't have a lot of low end. And that's why I guess Ryan and Matt are out of money Early, uh, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon, and uh, everyone, by the way, everyone has decided, uh, Brandon, I don't know if you're talking in the chat. Brandon Weeb is asking for the break, which Elon led a charge <laughs> 10 minutes ago to say, why don't we go another 30? Uh, they're not talking the whole time, but I, I've, I've I'm deferring to them. So, Brandon, clarify if you need that break now and uh, and it's yours. We will pause the draft as scheduled while uh, Ottinger is up on the board but zooming out okay we have two teams with seven mark has just two players to bring it in jari so does tom uh who has Connor mcdavid and roman yosi like i want to see where that goes those are two managers with only two players very different ends right tom two elite guys and mark two like middle value kind of guys i'm gonna recap elon's team because he is uh He's the defending champ. So and not only the co-host of the show regularly. So far, he has Trevor Zeegrass for 12, uh, David Pasternak for 50, Mark Scheifele for 22, and Mark Stone for 17. So Trevor, a David, and a pair of Marks. And we are breaking. Um, As Ottinger goes for 17 bucks, which is a buck more than Jari. Interesting, Freddie Anderson went for $20 compared to those guys. I see them as... Being fairly similar,
1: um, I'll tell you right now, Brian. I'm not feeling as good this year as I did last year so far. Uh, I uh, like a lot of high priced guys went like a little bit more than I was planning to bid on them, and then all of a sudden I realized that like if I wanted a top end player. Yeah, I needed to go for Pasternak basically, or and then I ended up like bidding way more, and like I see Kaprizov went for less. I would have definitely have preferred Kaprizov. How, how much less did Kaprizov go? for? I think for? he was like fifty six, and I got Pasternak for fifty seven. But I guess oh, that's okay, what I, yeah, this draft has gone differently that's, than last year. I feel like we, we're at the we're end of really tier
0: tax that you paid on Pasternak.
1: We're a smarter group here. Like, I feel like last year I was able to like get a lot of money drained early on and then like get value, you know, later. <laughs> you, this, like year... you drained
0: other people's money? Is that yeah, what you like said? It,
1: yeah, like I would like nominate people and then they would go for like a lot more than I thought they should. And then there'd be a lot of, you know, budget, like, you know, a lot of good players left over with not that much budget. And I was able to get Barkov and in last year for pretty cheap relatively based on what I thought they were worth. And then this year, like, it didn't go well. So like I paid a lot for Pasternak, but I just like wanted someone that I think could be a first round. Like, I don't want to like get out of this draft and not have someone who I think is like worthy of being drafted in the first round. And then also uh, yeah, zegris and Shifley. I got them for like a little bit less than I like had them, you know, pegged for, but at the end of the day now it's like, I have two centers already filled. So then like Jack Hughes is going I'm like, Oh, do I really want a third center already? And so I don't know. And then Mark stone, like who knows? Like I got Mark stone for 17 bucks.
0: Hey, he's I, he's practicing with contact, right? Like, Or he played in a preseason game, did he not?
1: Yeah, he hasn't been lining up with Eiko, but obviously they're just like trying out different things. But like Mark Stone's a star. I think if he's healthy, this is worth it. It's, I'm taking a big risk here. Like Zegris also actually is injured right now, but I think he's only day to day.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like both. You spend 29 bucks on Zegris and Stone combined. I think next year, those guys could, could be worth a combined 60 or more. So if they reach... If they reach the val, like if they if they produce the way that we hope they will, I, I think you'll feel good about those. I know the pasternak was pricey. I like that you're still stuck on Pasternak and Jack Hughes. Both of them have come up in this monologue as guys you traded regrettably in another league that we're in together. Um, thanks. So thanks for your thoughts. So you're not so satisfied. Are you at least optimistic about what you can do with the rest of your draft?
1: I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good players still left. <laughs> I, I think definitely uh, I need to maybe be a little more patient. I don't know. Well, it's okay. hard to say it. We'll check back in an hour.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have been one of the most patient. Like you're not one of the least patient. You're you're mid-pack patients so far. You've got 150 bucks. You're kind of you're kind of in the middle in terms of budget spent and players acquired. Um, if anybody else would like to come on, we've got another 90 seconds of break. Who is going to draft again in 90 seconds or might be done for a little bit um feel free to unmute yourselves i uh dear listener have not eaten um, recently so mike i see your back uh i might i might throw to you while i can grab a couple bites bites of food that i'm not chewing into the microphone for um and anybody else who wants to jump on who's drafting feel free but no pressure as you will um so mike let me throw you a question since nobody seems to be jumping on. Well,
1: Lewis has his hand up, Brian. Right? Oh,
0: Lewis. Okay. Lewis and yeah, Mike. Have a good time. A okay. Um, Lewis, how are you feeling about your draft so far? Just to uh Lewis, you've got Austin Matthews, Victor Hedman, Freddie Anderson, who I'm sorry I mentioned might might have been a, a few <laughs> dollars of an overpay compared No, I to... agree.
2: Um, especially seeing Ettinger just go for 17. Um yeah. I just, I was looking at him and I saw, uh, that who was it who had went before, like Jari had gone for 16. So I was like, yeah, 20 is not bad, but yes, knowing what I know yeah. now. <laughs> well, uh, but
0: at the same time, you did get Markstrom for 24, which is a couple bucks less than Soros, who we have similarly tiered. I think Hallibuck, uh, Hellebuck went for 22. So you got him right in the middle and, uh. I guess yeah. I'll just say it. Everybody knows Demko is still on the board.
1: So tell us. Brian, I uh, thought you we're getting food. <laughs>
0: I'm going to, I'm asking a question. All right. Okay. I'm Please. setting the table. Lewis, tell us about how you're feeling. Your draft has gone so far to plan, not to plan. Uh, Go, go for I,
2: it. I'm pretty happy so far. Um, I wanted to get a, a top tier guy. So I was really happy to take Matthews for the same price as, uh, McDavid. Um, you know, it was more than I wanted to. I was hoping that maybe I could sneak in for a buck or two uh, underneath, but uh, I was pleased with that. I know that um, Elon was kind of hoping to get in one of those one of those big top guys, so denying him that opportunity uh, was nice. I enjoyed that. Um, I maybe paid a little bit too much for Hedman um, considering what Fox went for, but I wasn't ready at that point uh, to make that kind of bid. I think Fox and Hamilton at 33 and 31 are going to turn out to be very nice picks for Joel and Ryan. Uh, So I think that was a a nice grab there. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to like criticize some, so I'm looking for some picks that I thought were good. I really like uh, Kuznetsov for 12 if Kadri went for 15. I think Kuznetsov for 12 is a is a very nice deal there as well.
3: Yeah, I I, I agree with you um, on Kadri there. I thought he might end up going for a little bit more. Maybe I, we've seen some funky power play combinations so far in the preseason for Calgary. So maybe that might be scaring a little bit of money away from Kadri. But, um, you know, even if he's on the second line, I, I think him and Pane are going to work out pretty well together. Um, you know, as long as you can, you know, get some good second line minutes with Pawnee and, and stick on that top power play unit, um, I think Kadri is gonna. I don't think he'll repeat what he did last season, but I think you're also seeing that factored into his price. I I, I really like that pickup.
2: Yeah, I think it's hard to imagine that. Um, you know, they paid what they did for Kadri and are not gonna give him that uh, top line or top power play opportunity. Uh, and you know, he was a, a darling of mine last season, so I'm I'm very happy for him. Oh, that's my, was that my nomination? No, that was Tom's. Okay. Yeah. I have all goalies on my nom- nomination list now that I'm full on goalies. So just try to suck out some cash from, uh, from the others.
0: <laughs> Which is a great strategy. And that's what Elon said too, right? Like he wanted to pull more money out of, out of others. Yeah. Uh, so Dem-, Dem goes on. I, I mean, Louis you are a little invested in this because you staked your claim with a couple goalies and, uh, Really, if Demco goes for a lot as the last in a tier, you can feel really proud of yourself instead of uh, slightly disappointed.
2: I feel I I really like Markstrom. I'm not as hot on Anderson as I said before, but I'm wondering, too, if like the way the new, um, you know, we've decreased the value of saves a little bit. So I think that the Carolina, you know, suffocating everyone and not allowing many shots doesn't hurt him as much as maybe it has in the past. Uh, you know, and those shutouts, uh, those shutout points are nice when you can get them. So yeah, I'm okay with it. i definitely happier with Matthews and Hedman, uh, who I've grabbed before. And I don't mind see Demko up here at 28, 29, uh, if I can get marksman for 24. That makes me feel uh, pretty good there. And yeah, my plan is always to lose just about everybody that I nominate. Um, I don't, I don't go in hoping to uh, win any of the folks that I put up. So yeah, Demco going for 28. I feel okay about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Feel, feel redeemed. There you go. Uh, to Joel. So da- Joel now has Makar Fox, Huberdeau who he auto-drafted in Demko. So Joel has not intentionally drafted a forward yet and um, we'll see how that goes for him as he continues. Interestingly, interestingly, Demko went for eight bucks more than he did last season when I guess he was still like, still some doubters about how solid he could be. I think he's silenced most of them now. Um, Elon, we had our famous Demko versus Markstrom bet, which I think we both won at the end of the day. Uh, I'd rather take Markstrom for a few bucks less in this auction draft, although I actually, like Demko is worth a small premium too, in my mind. Um, yeah, so Joel with two D and G so far. Um, Flurry's off the board for 10 and bucks ten. too. So we're having a big, uh, yeah. Oh, right. That's what I was saying about Demko Harrison. One of the drafters is saying he's surprised goalies are going for more this year compared to last year. Um, like Demko for $8 more when we have tried to at least uh, temper the power of goalies. Uh, so that last year it was like you, it was always the right move. If you had a stream, a move like add in a goalie game and you could get, you know, seven to 22 points with it in all likelihood. And this year we've tried to make it so goalies are not uh end all be all, like like we were offering less for a save made. Of course, Emco's still gonna make plenty of saves. So we'll see. Uh Tom grabbed Flurry for $10. There is good, there's talk in the chat about that being great value amongst the drafters. Uh Eichel went for 42. I'm just gonna summarize a bunch here. Maddie Beneers went to Phil for $6, Jack Hughes for 30 bucks to for 32 to Harrison, John Carlson for $30 to Laurie. I mean a lot's happened. We're not getting every player. slash auction is where you can go to find all the results um, from this draft so you don't just have to count on what I'm telling you. Oh. Okay, how about this? Sergei Bobrovsky, same tier as Marc-André Fleury. He's off the board for 10 bucks too uh, as the goalie run <laughs> continues. Huh. So Mike, let me put this to you. I've been in a few drafts where I've had Bobrovsky and Flurry staring me in the face. uh, And I don't, I, I I have a hard time convincing myself to go for them. I just went for Bobrovsky and won with a co-manager who was helping convince me it was the right choice. I saw Paul Maurice's quote about Spencer Knight playing more that shook me a little. Um, And for Flurry, I saw a quote from Dean Evason earlier, the Minnesota head coach earlier in the, training camp where he said like he expects Gustafsson to be able to play Flurry's not a young man. Flurry also hasn't had like Flurry and Bobrowski have both had good years, but surrounded by bad. And they're also older. I don't know. I, I just, I've worried about both these guys and I've actually chosen Jordan Binnington over both of them in my cupful draft when I had all of them available to me. So Mike, what, what's your feel? I'm actually can I, I'm just going to name you a more goalies board tier, and then I'm going to be quiet so you can talk. But our, our fourth tier, keepingcarlson.com slash goalies, or kkupful.com, kkupfl.com. You can find our all all the resources there. Um, Merzlikens, Flurry, Kemper, Bennington, Bobrovsky, and Jack Campbell, all in a tier together. How do you feel about that group? And I, I will say specifically about Flurry and Bob. Are you any more or less worried about them than than the other names I just tossed at you?
3: I Merzlikens worries me in the sense that his team worries me, right? Like they were Columbus was real bad defensively last year. And I'm not sure what happened in the off season to, that made me believe that they will be better defensively. I mean, Johnny Goodrow's obviously going to add some goals and, and some scoring to that lineup, but he's not going to add a lot of great defensive play. Um, you know, maybe they're relying on Cole Sillinger taking a step forward, obviously Boone Jenner being healthy for the whole season, Uh, would make a big difference. But Merzlikens just worries me um, because of of the quality of of the defense. But it's one of those double-edged swords, right? Like if he's facing a lot of shots, he has a chance for a lot of saves. And and, in a points format like this, you know, even three goals against, as long as, you know, he can face 35 or so shots and get the win. And this team should be scoring a lot more than they did last year. Maybe he can kind of make up the difference uh, in goals against because he's going to be facing a lot of shots with the saves, with the wins. So I think in this format he plays better than you know in other formats where you're relying purely on ratios. Um, so I, I I actually don't mind Merslickens. The flurry the flurry versus Bobrovsky debate is interesting because, um, like you said, you know, and Spencer Knight just signed that new contract, right? I'm sure they don't want to pay you know, was it four and a half million a season or four million a season um, just for a guy to get 20 starts as the backup. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're hopefully relying on uh hoping on him to take, you know, maybe 30 starts or, or 35 starts or something like that. Um, and same thing over in Minnesota with Gustafson. If I have to pick between the two, it would probably be Flurry because Minnesota, you know, they, they lost Kevin Fiala, but they really didn't lose anything else. And this is a team that's been, pretty good defensively for a long time now one thing that they do is um a lot of the shots they allow are shots from the outside they're easy saves for flurry like they really do a good job of clogging up lanes and clogging up the middle and and you know not allowing so many uh great scoring chances so i think it's a flurry is in an environment where he can rack up a lot of easy saves on on some nights um, and anytime you can get a goaltender like that, um, I, I you know especially for ten dollars, like at ten dollars, you don't need him to make sixty starts. Um, If he makes you know forty eight starts or forty seven starts or something, I, th- I think you're going to be perfectly happy with that.
0: That's a good point, especially compared to someone like Ilya Sorokin, who went early. We have in a higher tier. He went earlier in the draft for seventeen dollars, and honestly, like I, I think his numbers could be good. I think the Islanders are in rough shape. Last year was kind of like, um, you know, we had all sort of caught up and been like, oh yeah, the Islanders are good now. And it's like, wait a second, are they? <laughs> and like, we kind of pulled the, pulled the rug out from under us. And of course there were a lot of like schedule and travel and arena issues and interruptions, whatever. I'm still not convinced that they're back to where we need them to be for their goalie to be, like Sorokin is a really good goalie. And I think he has a chance to perform well, but I have two concerns. One that the Islanders might not be as good. And you were just talking about Flurry. you know, even if he plays 45, 50 games, you still get $10 of value. I'm not convinced that the aisles stop rotating, uh, game in game, like every single game between Sorokin and Varlamov. How do you see that shaking out this year?
3: Yeah, I, I'm a little bit more confident in Sorokin being like the firm number one for them. Like, I don't, you know, I definitely don't think he makes like 63 starts or something like that. But I, I'm definitely expecting, you know, 55 starts from Sorokin this year. I think the teams kind of finally realized that Varlamov's, you know, not the guy he was like, you know, five or six years ago or, or whatever. And and Sorokin, you know goalies are all goalies are weird that's kind of the thing that everybody says Mm -hmm. but over the last couple seasons uh, yet it's hard to argue that Sorokin hasn't been a top five goalie in the league right um and if he can keep up that performance I think he would be the reason the team gets back to the playoffs it wouldn't necessarily be the team in front of him and you know if something like that happens I think he can absolutely return value on the 17 dollars but there is a risk here, you know, if the bottom falls out of that team, you know, maybe they start shipping off some players. Um, you know, I I just I I there are definite concerns there, but I think the upside with Sorokin at that price uh, was kind of just too good to pass up. So I don't I don't have a real problem with it. I can absolutely see Sorokin not living up to that, but I can also see it, see him, you know, just kind of blowing the doors off and finishing as a Vesna, you know, top three in the Vesna this year, and and him being the reason the Islanders get back to the playoffs.
0: That's true. It's a, it's a, you know, by the end of the draft, maybe it will look like a small overpay for the potential of like some incredibly high upside. If you consider that he went for, what did we see? Those are like half the price of Shostyorkin and uh, just a little less than, or a little more than half the price of Vasilevsky who went for $28. um, He has the potential to perform as well as them. Like the Islanders, you know, could be, I don't know. Like, I think they could be, as good as the Rangers if things break right for them if Sorokin can play like Shostorkin, especially. Yeah, so I, I,
3: no, I just I just noticed Sorokin went for the same price as Jake
0: Ottinger, right? Um and, and Jack Campbell, who's just gone on, off the board for 17.
3: And and you look you look at Dallas, I you know, everybody's expecting Ottinger to definitely be the goalie of the future, but he still doesn't have a huge sample um behind him. Um I don't I don't think the bottom six from from Dallas really got any better. And the depth scoring was a huge problem for them. And it looks like Anton Hudobin's healthy. Like I I I think yeah. that's throwing... what? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh that's really throwing I think that's really throwing a wrench into their plans on signing Jason Robertson, right? Because if if Hudobin went on the LTIR, you know, they would have 10 million plus in cap space and signing Robertson wouldn't be a big deal. With him not going on LTIR, I think they're a little under seven million. Um, and that is a big deal. So, you know, Hudobin coming back might not only just cut into um, Ottinger's starts, especially because they still have Wedgwood, though I imagine, you know, maybe Wedgwood hits waivers or something like that if Hudobin's really healthy. Um, but maybe it throws a wrench into the plans for getting Jason Robertson back in the lineup. So I do, I you know, I, there's definitely risk with both Ottinger and Sorokin there, I think for different reasons. Um, but also I wouldn't be surprised if those two ended up amongst the top five fantasy goalies on the season, if they really lived up to their potential. And, you know, sometimes you do pay for that upside. And I think, you know, seeing them go for the same price kind of illustrates that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it'll be fun to see. I mean, every year, right. It's fun to see how, how this sort of thing shakes out. Um, I don't know if that'll ever stop being true. Here's a goalie, uh, another goalie up. I mean, I, I kind of want to move on from goalies, but cause they're just so random, but like, that's, that's why they're so freaking fascinating. Uh, Grubauer is on the board now. Um, I don't know. I, I he's like the guy that I, I may, I've been able to see dropping late enough in drafts that like to points I'm I'm ready to grab him. It's interesting to see how far models have swung on Seattle from the start of last season to this season. Without I feel like a whole lot changing. In fact, they seem better this year than they were to start last year. But there are models, several models placing the Kraken in the top five in their inaugural season obviously it did not go that way largely because of the performances in net from Philip Grubauer. And this year they're being ranked, you know, bottom five, bottom 10 in the league. When I like, I don't see a big, I don't see any substantial change on that roster except hopeful improvement. The team's played together. Uh, The coach has been around for a year. I don't see reason to be any lower unless you think that Grubauer really is a dud and those early, uh, those earlier performances in his career were uh fluky. I, I trust the Seattle front office to have evaluated, like it seemed like a nutso contract, to be honest, at, at the start, like a an unne- a big and unnecessary splash. But they have him. And I still think they have a decent team. I, I think he's he went for eight dollars. So just a, a touch less than uh, flurry and uh oh gosh, we're getting to that point in the broadcast. Bobrovsky. I don't know. What do? How are you thinking? How are you feeling about Philip Grubauer? I like. I'm I'm worried, but I'm I see a lot of reason to think that everything could be okay.
3: Yeah, Grubauer is one of those goalies. Um, I do a lot of best balls over on Underdog Fantasy, and he's typically going just outside the top twenty five goalies. And like once you get to that point, you're really throwing darts anyway. Um, but Grubauer typically had been good for his career. Obviously, everything really fell apart for both him and Dridger last year. They were both awful for most of the season, um, but Seattle wasn't a bad team defensively last year, especially down the stretch. Um, you know, top 10 by some, uh, t- you know, team defensive metrics. I-, I think one thing that definitely hurt them last year was a lack of scoring. They really only had one scoring line and Jane Schwartz was hurt for uh, over half the season, if I'm not mistaken. So they really... You know, you had McCann, Gord, Eberle playing for, you know, a lot of the season, certainly not together. That was basically all they had for scoring. This yeah. offseason, they, you know, they go out, they get Burakovsky, they trade for Bjorkstrand. Uh, Matty Beneers, who who debuted at the end of last year, um, he's certainly looked good so far this preseason. And again, it's preseason, but he looked good at the end of last year. He's a guy a lot of people were high on. I've been high on him. Like they might have just legitimately added an entire scoring line with Burakovsky, Beneers, and Bjorkstrand, right? So now you theoretically have two good scoring lines. You know, uh, if you want to, you can put somebody like Jared McCann down on the third line with, with an Alex Wenberg or something like that, Ryan Donato, and that really that's not a bad third scoring line. I think where there won't be a ton of pressure on the goalie's You know, last year, if they let in more than two goals, it was game over, right? So yeah, there won't be that same pressure this year. And I think, you know, certainly once you get towards, you know, outside the top 20, top 25 goalies on the board, you're taking risks anyway. I could definitely see Grubauer bouncing back in a big way, having you know 50 starts or something like that, and really putting together a good season. Um, the one thing that concerns me is that conference or sorry, that division looks pretty good. Like I thought I thought Calgary would take a step back, you know, once they eventually lost Godreau, uh and Kachuk. Um, I was worried, you know, maybe the Kings uh, players wouldn't grow together. You know, uh, Anaheim certainly had a ways to go, but Anaheim went out and added um, Strom and Klingberg and vitrano Calgary certainly reloaded their team. Edmonton is three lines deep, I think, for the first time since I was a teenager. Um, you know, that division does look a lot better, so I think that might be tough for Seattle, um, but I'm definitely expecting a rebound basically from everyone on that team this season. And I think they, if things go a little bit right for them, I think they could be uh, a big surprise out West.
0: I I agree. I think they could come out of nowhere or from wherever they're coming from. Uh, have, By the way, shout out to Bowie, their new mascot, who. Yeah, Bowie I, the troll. Do you have any, yeah, do you have a take on that? I don't have a, I haven't developed a take yet. Mike, do you have a take?
3: Not really. I mean, it, it's apparently it's, it's something, um, with seattle like they have a they have a a troll statue somewhere so it's 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 a nod to the to the seattle history in some fashion i like i'm fine with that it's something that has to do with that that city specifically um you know he can be kind of goofy the fact that he's a troll means you're probably going to see a lot of funny um funny pranks and stuff uh funny videos coming from the team so i I mean i'm 36 years old (laughs) like the mascot isn't something that (laughs) That is going to keep me from watching the team or anything. What like that. So, really?
0: Um, I'm, I'm 37 and I'm downright invested in the mascot in terms of team watchable. No, I'm not. That's
3: well. I I mean, Gritty's probably the only thing that'll make the Flyers watchable this year. Yes, so, good, good, good point. So maybe maybe uh, maybe I I spoke out of turn there, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's for the kids anyway. It should I'm just hoping for some funny videos coming out on Twitter.
0: Uh, Joel and Elon just got into a sibling rivalry over Joel Jordan Binnington who I'm just going to take a peek at our goalie tiers. Oh, he's not the last one in the tier. He's the second last. Uh, he was the second last. There's still one more. I'm going to name all these drafters know what's out there. Alves Merzlikens is still sitting there. And tier four is the last guy available there. Joel bid $18 on him. And I'm just updating earlier. And again, like we're deep into goalies. I think everybody's just like, let's get the goalies over with here. Max defending, or not defending, but one time, a champion, Max Fredrickson. Spent some time in the wilderness in the lower tiers and those come his way, earned his way back up uh, by winning his tier three division last year. Max drafted Georgiev and Matt Murray back to back for 10 bucks a piece. I mean, 20 bucks for a pair. Like if one of those works out, I think you're getting your $20 worth. If both of those work out, then you're you're laughing like I, I like $20 on those guys if they work out. I'm trying to compare them to Bobrovsky and Fleury who also cost $20 combined. I guess I'd prefer Bobrovsky and Fleury, but, uh, hmm. yeah, yeah, Mike, what yeah, do you think?
3: I do too. But you know, Matt Murray's certainly one of the more interesting goalies, I think of the off season, right? He was really good in Pittsburgh there, what four or five years ago. Um, things haven't really been the same for him since there have been injuries, um, I remember, um, you know, there's some personal, um, tragedies, let's say that that happened in his life that might've thrown him off for a season or something like that. Um, I, I don't want to speak to that. Nobody knows what was in his head, but him, Yeah. but obviously going to such an elite team, if Toronto's a top five team again, and Murray, like, you don't have to be a great goalie in Toronto. Um, you know, Freddie Anderson was pretty good, but I don't think there's any stretch where people were like, oh, he's a top three goalie in the league. All you have to do is be a good goalie, like not cost them game after game. And you're going to get the starts. Yeah. and That's why I think Murray's one of the more interesting goalies. And as long as he's not awful, he could really pay dividends uh, in a format like this, uh, where he can definitely get wins from a high scoring team.
0: Yeah. Like the upside is huge. The downside is downright like a zero right yeah, he could get yeah, exactly. injured yeah. but at 10 bucks uh I don't think especially at a position like goalie I'm good for it I mean he's going late in the couple full drafts but I mean everybody in those drafts knows uh if you're in your home league or public league you might be able to sneak him a little later uh, but word is getting out of course that memory could be worth a value a, a value pick uh a, a try towards the end of the draft um, I wanted to go back. I want to rewind. I'm going to go back to Mark's team who I think he got a couple bargains here. And not just because uh, I drafted them on my like, cupful team also, but Matt Zuccarello, he got him for 11 bucks as a winger. And then he followed that up, uh, two players later by adding Evgeny Malkin for $16 uh, for context. Crosby went for 35. I... I really like that value. Like Mark, Mark seems to be doing what he did last year again. And what Elon, I don't know if this is what Elon was hoping to do, but just finding these value ads through the draft. Um, and uh, like, I, yeah, like I, I, I'm just, I'm looking for his, he still has 170 bucks left in budget, uh, which is a lot more than everybody else. Brendan has 147 bucks. Brendan, by the way, broke his coffee mug, dropped his coffee. It's It was 5:15 in the morning where he is in Australia, uh, but he's soldiering on here, but there's, there's not a whole lot of teams with more than a hundred bucks. And Mark has almost $200. I like, I like Zuccarello is someone who I'm a little hesitant on. He's almost like a Duchesne for me where I see it. I don't know if I believe it. I can see it going wrong, but there's nothing telling me that like imminent disaster is near and Malkin, of course. Well, we know we know the risk we're taking with Malkin, but I already I already shared my my high hopes for the Penguins earlier. How do you feel about Zuccarello? Um, let's start with him in Minnesota. You get, like, is it is it a sure thing that he's going to stay stabled uh, to Kaprizov because it went so well last year and on that top power play unit? I, I
3: think the top power play is. Uh... Definitely more of a lock for him than the top line. Um, we've we've seen some different combinations from them in preseason, and and you know, there are a lot more cuts to come. So we'll see what the roster looks like uh, a week from now. If he's if he's stapled the Caprice off both in top line, top power play, then yeah, that's absolutely just a phenomenal price for him. But even if he dips down to the second line and he's playing, let's say, with Boldy and Godro or, or, or something like that. I still think that's perfectly fine. Like for his price, you don't need him to put up 85 points, right? He could be a a 65, 70 point winger uh, and still pay off that price. So I don't have a huge problem with it. And of course there's the upside of him, you know, just staying with Kaprizov in all the offensive situations all season long. So I think, you know, I don't want to say there's no downside. There's downside to every single player. Things can definitely go wrong, but I like, I don't see him playing, you know, 77 games this year and then just returning absolutely no value on what was it was $11, I believe. I don't like I don't see him returning, you know, like $2 or something like that, as long as he's healthy. So
0: right. it's almost um, like a can't lose price for Zuccarello.
3: Right. That's, and, you know, I th- hope we didn't jinx him. Just, yeah, uh,
0: right. Touch wood.
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I'm perfectly fine with that. I think it's a good price for him.
0: Uh, I'm just trying to take a look and see what else is going on here. Uh we have uh Laurie just added Elias Petterson for 22 for $26. Excuse me Mark, since we started talking about him, added Petrangelo for 17. Harrison added John Gibson for 11. Uh Elon also added uh, this is one of Elon's favorite guys, Zach O'Renskie for 27 bucks. I'm also very high on O'Renskie this year. Um actually we were asked by someone in our Discord server about an injured Charlie McAvoy. And I can't remember if it was, a, he was trying to decide between keeping injured Charlie McAvoy or Zach Wawrenski because McAvoy's injured. And my feeling was like, yeah, go ahead and keep Wawrenski, especially in a keeper league where we're looking beyond just next year. I I like Wawrenski almost on par, I think, with a healthy McAvoy. And, you know, as Bergeron ages out and Marchand ages out, uh, like look into the future. I would prefer Wierenski on that Columbus team than McAvoy on that Boston team. What, what do you
3: think? Yeah, that's, that's kind of the problem with McAvoy, right. Is, you know, maybe you don't have them for the first month of the season. And of course there's still that Martian injury. Um, you know, we just saw earlier today, uh, Taylor Hall's now week to week. Right. So. No, there's... I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh... So there, there are some pretty key um, injuries that the Bruins have in, if McAvoy comes back, you know, at the first week of November, Marchand's, you know, not back and he's still not himself. Um, maybe Taylor Hall's still out at that point. Um, you know, McAvoy can certainly bring the peripherals, but is is he going to have the points upside? And then, you know, like you mentioned, once you get past this season for Boston, you know, does, Parique, does uh, Patrice Bergeron retire? I think they have like you know, I'm just looking at cap friendly right now. They have like six or seven forwards that are all UFAs after this year. And it's not like they have a bevy of top end prospects breaking down the door. There might be Fabian Lysel up front. um, And that's about it. So, um, you know, McAvoy, he can definitely bring it in peripherals. And I think that's what kind of makes him a a, a sort of a safe draft pick, right? Is like, he'll bring more than just points. Um, Whereas where really doesn't bring a lot in blocks and hits, but um, when you look to the future of columbus, you know they have godrow around for a long time. they have Line a around for four more years uh cylinders only in his second year they're you know Kent johnson's coming in in his first full season um you know you have marchenko um who's looking uh, good in, in the preseason so um and throughout all of this Morenci's going to be the lock top power play guy playing 24 minutes a night for them. so yeah i kind of agree with you. Even now, and just looking forward, I do like Warensky over McAvoy in most fantasy formats.
0: How are you feeling about the player who is up for auction right now in a bidding war, like slowed down around 15 bucks, but has crept all the way up to $29? That's Jason Robertson going to mark. I mean, we have to think a signed Jason Robertson is worth... Uh, at least 40, like, you know, Gensel territory. It kind of reminds me of Tarasenko last year, who went for 10 bucks last year, went for $28 this year because of all the uncertainty around him uh, and was incredibly valuable to whoever was able to draft Tarasenko at low value. Jason Robertson, uh, if he comes back soon enough or if you can survive for whatever time he's out, assuming that he signed, like, Mike, I can only assume... That he is going to sign sooner rather than later at uh, twenty nine dollars. That seems pretty fantastic. That's the same price as Andrei Svechnikov, who went the uh, the who was the player who went before. Um, so yeah, are you how optimistic are you about Jason Robertson? I guess I'll ask signing and then getting up to speed once he signs, and then providing more value than those twenty nine dollars might indicate.
3: Yeah, I, I I'm not really that concerned that they'll get him signed. Like we talked about earlier. I think Anton Hudovin being healthy kind of threw a wrench in things for them. Um, I'm like, I'm not worried that he'll be there at the start of the season. It's just um, what are the line combinations going to look like, right? Are they are they gonna leave that hints uh, Robertson Pavelski line together? Or are they gonna try to maybe move up Gurianoff? You know, we have seen Gurianoff and Hints skate. Uh, together quite a bit so far in the preseason so you know maybe they move uh, Pavelski down and leave Robertson on the top line or maybe um, you know they leave Pavelski on the top line with hints as kind of like that dual center uh, option that they have and then move Robertson down I'm not worried about them getting about him being signed and there you know by you know game two or game three or something like that I do think Anton Hudobin being healthy and counting against the cap throws a wrench in things that maybe they weren't expecting. And now they're kind of, they might be kind of scrambling looking for a trade uh, to get some money out of there because, you know, I'm looking at cap friendly, $7 million in cap space. um, Unless, you know, they Robertson takes a one year deal or something like that. I don't think you're going to get them for under $7 million. So It'll be interesting to see how this plays out, but I'm not worried about him returning $29. Um, yeah, I, like I don't see him holding out until November or something like that. That's that's not what's what's going to happen here.
0: So in your own drafts, you know, let's say it's a standard snake. Are you is he falling? Like, are you bumping him down a little bit on your draft board or are you just taking him where you would normally take him?
3: I'm, I'm still taking him as in, uh, um, as a top 50 player uh, um, in fantasy. Uh, like I still have him uh, playing 82 games. Um, we'll definitely see how this week goes. I hope that they figure something out soon. I don't think they can afford to really play too many games with him. If it's something that does drag you out um, once the season starts, I think he'll definitely show his value on that team because I think he's the best offensive option that they have. And it'll just affect. It'll have this cascading effect from the top line down to the third line. And they do like they added Mason Marchment, but unless you know Sagan and Ben kind of turn back the clock a little bit, or Gurianov takes a huge step forward, I still don't think they have the scoring depth um, to really afford to lose Robertson for a significant piece of time. So that's kind of why I I think you see him sign sooner rather than later.
0: Did I also see? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I've got a lot on my brain here. But uh, did I see? Is it Logan Stankoven playing with Sagan in the preseason? I, I, have you have you seen any of that? Yeah, like that?
3: I, yeah. I, so. I, I think that was that was just once, but they like they've been changing around their lines a fair. Oh, okay. All through the preseason, oh, so I don't think they have anything too too set. Um, the only thing that I've seen um with you know some consistency is Hints and Gurianov playing together. Though even I think Gurianov got moved down in their latest practice. So. I I still think they're trying to figure out their line combinations without Robertson there, and you know maybe the coach is starting to nudge the GM a little bit and saying, "Listen, we got to get this guy back because I don't know how to figure out my lineup otherwise."
0: (laughs) Uh, Okay, we've got Latang up on the board now. Liney just went for twenty-nine. Nilander for twenty-two. Drake Batherson, uh, Nilander to Mark, Liney to Elon, and Drake Batherson to Joel for sixteen. Ryan uh, took Braden Point for twenty. Well, that's a summary since Jason Robertson has gone off the board. Lewis is actually sitting, if I'm gonna zoom out for a second here, with just four players and ninety-six dollars in budget. So he has uh, he's he's around the top of the budget table by now. Uh, not at the top though, with just four players. So I guess he's waiting for his moment and for other players to become available. Elon has just invested in his second consecutive player in adding Chris Latang for $27 to his Zach Wierensky. I believe is also in $27 territory. Elon, I'm happy we get to cheer for the tank together this year. It's always fun when we draft the same player. Tom has one forward. He has two, two D. He has Yosi and Riley. Um, Yosi and, and Riley on D. Fleury and Campbell at goalie and Connor McDavid. So he's clearly looking to solidify the, the, the lesser numbered positions and have one stud at the top of the forward. I'm trying to see if I can find, surmise any other strategies on the board. By the way, I'm going to throw it open um, for anybody to step in at any moment. Now that some of your budgets might be dwindling and you might be on the sidelines for a bit. Um, you can raise your hand in the Zoom call to let me know that you are willing to come on. But how about this? I'm going to invite... Uh, oh, great. Matt is ready to come on. So Matt, I'm going to ask you to unmute just after. I, uh, I laud... Who got him? Mark. Mark, you and me, same. Uh, Mark got Philip Forsberg for twenty eight bucks, and I'm gonna add him to my list of Matt Duchesne's. And uh, who's the other guy that I said I looked at his numbers all over, and I couldn't see a reason for him to not continue it? Huh. Well, a, a Zuccarello. Oh, right. So Forsberg is with Duchesne and Zuccarello, and guys, I've drafted that I, I don't, my gut doesn't believe in, but the numbers tell me I should, but you already kind of shared your thoughts, Mike, on Nashville and it was like the perfect storm and you're not necessarily expecting the perfect storm next year, but even so uh, Forsberg, I guess six bucks more than Kreider at 28 bucks and $4 less than Nick Ehlers, who just went off the board, dual eligible, we should mention. Um, how are you feeling about that?
3: Yeah, the Nick Ehlers pick is incredibly interesting for me because it, he he was, maybe still is, in that Timo Meyer situation where um, lots of shots, I mean, he doesn't hit as much, so we won't include that, but lots of shots, lots of even strength production, but never got the top power play time to really reach that next level, that next gear that he had in the fantasy game. Um, what we've seen so far all preseason is Nick Ealer skating on the top power play unit uh, instead of Blake Wheeler that is the one thing that's been missing from Ealers' profile to really make him a top end winger. Um, You know, I know Winnipeg might not look that great this year, but uh, they still have a pretty good top six. I think definitely a good top power play unit should play lots of minutes. um, Takes a lot of shots. If he can really stick on that top power play unit uh, you know, I think Ehlers has a chance to be, you know, top five at his position in the fantasy game. And I was wondering how much he might go for here today. Um, he's he's not priced up with those, you know, super uh, high-end wingers um, like Ovechkin. You know, Hubert O went for $39. I think Kyle Connor was in the 40s, so he's not being priced with those guys. He's closer to that, you know, Brady Kachuk, uh, Timo Meyer tier, which I think is pretty fair, but I think he could definitely end up, you know, maybe not with Ovechkin uh, and Kaprazov, but I think he can end up in that, you know, Kyle Connor, Jonathan Huberto tier of players and definitely return value on that $32. So Ehlers is one of the more interesting players on the season for me, especially dual, like all the
0: dual eligible is always appealing. I, you know, you said Winnipeg may not be a good team, but they still have a solid enough top six. I just think seem weird in Winnipeg. I feel like everyone's sad there. Uh, (laughs) And I'm not talking about the city. I'm just, I'm talking about the locker room. Um, You know, Shifley, Dubois, disgruntled in the offseason, saying the right things now, but still neither seem long for the team. Wheeler loses the C for uh, a a PR disaster. You know, we can see the Twitter reaction, whatever. I'm not going to buy too much into that, but it didn't seem like it was smoothly done just on a basic level. I am just worried that there's there's enough upset and unhappiness in Winnipeg that it might just creep in and and tank everyone. so that's my concern. I, I'm sort of staying away from jets, but I, I I like your take too. I think it's obviously just as valid. Um, and a quick update on the draft, and Matt. Then I'm going to bring you in. Alvis uh, Lickens goes to Elon, who was in that bidding war for Bennington with his brother. That went to 18 bucks. Elon had to pay two dollars more for Alvis Lickens. Elon, I'm curious if you would have rather paid 20 for Bennington or Lickens, or you don't really care.
1: I think I like Merslickins better. By a touch, just uh, because Binnington has that risk of what he did last year.
0: Are you at all frustrated that you ended up paying that last yeah. last of the
1: tier tax on Merslickins? Everyone's outbidding me. <laughs> this is not going as easily. I as I mean, you're a target. You're, you're. I the think champ. Mark specifically, who faced <laughs> me in the finals last year, every time I bid on someone, he just like kept on bidding it up, and now hmm. it's like my budget is much lower. So, and that's like a be. that's a strategy, right? Like you can you can try Sorry.
0: and. Th- Oh, who, sorry, who was that?
1: That's Mark, sorry. Um, you, no, it's not you, deliberate. I'm,
3: I don't even notice half the time who I'm bidding against. I'm just looking at the numbers. So uh, it definitely sure. isn't a target.
0: So th- this oh. is just a, a great mind situation, thinking alike um, for, for Mark and Elon, the two two leaders of tier one last year. Um, Matt, I, I want to bring you on. I want you to tell us how your draft is going. Kyru Gun for 12 bucks. Carter Hart for 6 I'll save my thoughts, Matt. I keep saying I'm going to bring you on Matt. Uh, quick intro to Matt. Probably should have done this at the start. Matt is a, uh, makes his livelihood as a chemist. He's been playing fancy for 10 years. Ovechkin, first player drafted. Uh, he's been preparing for this draft on his train commutes into and out of uh, central Boston. Uh, and, oh, Matt was the one who won his first year of Kukupful drafting Carlson in the f- first round and also had some early inaugural Vegas Knights to help. And Matt, your, your motto, you wrote, you shared that your personal motto is aim low. How has that motto borne out in this draft <laughs> for you so far?
4: Well, I chose that motto uh, because it's the motto for my favorite movie, Dodgeball, a true underdog story. And I feel like that is going to be the motto for my fantasy season uh, coming up. Uh, uh-huh. So <laughs>
0: you feel, so you call yourself an underdog, Matt, I've gone up against you uh, to my, uh, discontent for the last two seasons. And, uh, I don't know, we've kind of built this, uh, this little frenemy relationship, I think over, over the series of those competitions, even though like, it's kind of like a rivalry between two teams where like one has gotten really good and the other has gotten really bad. Like they were once equal. Um, so I feel like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna still call it a rivalry with that context, but like you are an incredible fantasy player. You've barely missed out on being in tier one before. You've been a consistent performer in the Cupful this year. Uh, I mentioned you like building your team. You were one of the first and fastest out of the gate with Marshawn and Marchand, uh, Drysidle Hall, Quinn Hughes, Miko Rantanen, Evgeny Kuznetsov. It's been a little while since you've done anything. I think that might be a budgetary restriction. Um, Tom is calling you just a dog in the chat and not an underdog. So you can respond to that if if you'd like. But how are you, like, has your draft gone according to plan? How are you feeling about your your day so far today?
4: So first to touch on our, on our rivalry, I think uh, game respects game. And uh, we <laughs> both are really savvy uh, managers. And uh, I really appreciate uh, the quality of competition that I've had against you, as well as other tier two our part- participants uh, these past couple of years in uh, like a that's, but, very, uh,
0: <laughs> that's very kind of you to say from your tier one pedestal right you, you've but... now you've now done the drafting team thanking the host city uh <laughs> and, and you can go on with with your <laughs> with your analysis here on how, how 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 are you feeling
4: oh it's a disaster <laughs> oh no
0: did you know taylor no. hall was injured when you drafted him I, didn't. I had no idea
4: that happened an hour ago yeah i oh. just looked that up okay yeah
0: uh so why is why is today a disaster for you
4: uh, you know, I, uh, if it wasn't obvious, I've never done an auction draft before. And uh, it's clear why I thrive a little bit more in snake drafts because there are restrictions, right? Like bowling, there are uh, there are bumpers and there are no bumpers here. There's no safety net to catch you if you try to make a silly decision. And uh, I was pretty okay with going around, let's see, uh, above my budget for dry cycle. I went around $10 more than I really wanted to pay for him. Right, he went uh, for like seventy-five bucks. If I'm remembering, remembering right, yeah, that's right. I was also happy to be bidding against Tom, uh, in that bidding war.
0: And <laughs>
4: uh,
0: yeah, so but you say that you've made some mistakes that you like. You you fell into some traps or mistakes that you didn't like. What what were they?
4: Yeah, so I made a fabulous spreadsheet, and I'm really excited to potentially share uh, the secrets of putting together the spreadsheet and how I valued my players. Uh, now, if I followed that, I think it would have gotten a little better. Uh, uh-huh. I did not. I, I did not put in my value for Brad Marshand. I actually saved $4 according to uh, my spreadsheet on Brad Marchand. Uh, and I forgot to put that in. So I thought I had an extra $12 to play with. I had Miko oh. Rantanen uh, set for $48. So I said I would bid up to $60. And I forget who I was bidding against, but I really wish you paid $61. Or else this would have been going a little bit better for me.
0: Uh, okay so it was a it was a a recording error you forgot to carry the one in in uh, in spreadsheet terms to to know to know your budget because yeah I was I was you know you're blown you're blowing your cash freely but I guess it was a little more freely than you realized but I mean I still think you have a a pretty competitive team especially once your Bruins are are healthy that might be that might be tough a tough wait for them to be ready but I mean, Rantanen, Kuznetsov, Drysidal, Shistjorkin, a nice a nice group to build a team around. Like are you at least feeling some optimism? Do you see any any redeeming like you sound really down on your draft, but I, I don't know. I believe you're you're yeah. you're smarter than you're letting on, even if things didn't go quite according to plan.
4: No, one of the reasons why I decided to kind of go over on Drysidal was because I thought I'd be able to get some deals down the line as well as some free agents uh later down the line in the season. But I think after the draft is over, I may need to talk to my other uh, managers and kind of go against the grain of what I normally do in fantasy and try to offer up a uh, a one for two trade. Maybe offer you know Miko Rantanen for two players, uh, maybe that are worth half his value, right? Just chop him in half and maybe try to get two players worth right. thirty dollars each for him, which is right. normally right not not the best strategy to go about. Uh, something I usually go against, but. I may my back's against the wall at this point.
0: Okay, okay, so not 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 a great uh, debut day for. And like you've been, like I mentioned, you you have been tier one. You've brought tier one quality managing into tier two for the last couple of years. So, uh, I mean, I have faith in you finding your way. You're really good at like trading, but I think tier one is actually a little cooler to trading than most. Even if you can find out, like a uh, you said, you know, you you'd like to pull off trades that are win wins. Um, it's gonna be tough to convince this group, especially. I hope you haven't shown your hand too much. Um, but I guess well, Tom is already saying let's talk. So I'm sure he'll offer you who's Tom drafted. I'm trying to see who I mean, Morgan Riley and Jack Campbell add up to two-thirds, maybe of (laughs) uh so so Tom keep drafting and then we can figure. Oh, there's Giroux for $14. Riley, Giroux, and Jack Campbell. For Miko Rantanen, would you do it,
4: Riley Giroux? Uh, I I don't want another goalie. Actually, my plan was to just have one goalie, and mm-hmm. I got a, a Igor working. for two dollars less than I expected. I was shocked. I thought nice. that was going to go a little higher, and then I was even more shocked. I almost grabbed uh, Vasilevsky for twenty-five or twenty-six. I forget what he went for, but that was wild.
0: Yeah, twenty-eight. I mean, you were you were super active at the start, which is can be a blessing or a curse because the market is still getting set, and you're trying to 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 figure out how it went. And uh, I hope I hope the choices you made work. I believe in you, and I think uh, I mean you're here, right? So you 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 deserve to be here. You've got your work cut out for you. And uh, we'll see how you do adding 11 more players with $30 of budget.
2: Thanks
4: for the confidence, Brian. I think I'm still going (laughs) to sit on my hands for another uh, couple rounds, though. (laughs) All
0: right. Well, if you have any other uh, commentary through, don't be shy to raise your hand and let us know, even if you want to comment on what other people are doing, including Max, who just added uh, his namesake, Max Pacioretty for 3 bucks. I mean, you're not going to get him... For less than a buck so that doesn't seem too bad we have a lot of ir spots in the like cupful, full so i guess you could hope and pray that's not a terrible premium what's this
1: what's the plan right now for patcheretti i forget
0: uh he's out i think it you No, i know least, that <laughs> no but like oh, sorry he's like i mean he's out he's not yeah. just out he's out i, I um, think the
3: original timeline was summers around valentine's day maybe yeah february
0: yeah and but it's a big sorry mike what were you no, no, were you I'm still I was just yeah. gonna
3: say, you know, if he can come back and be anywhere as close to normal uh, for the final 25 games, you know, 25 games, of Max Patch ready for three dollars, especially when it's a head-to-head and there'll be a lot of playoff games. I think that's just fine. Um, you know, it's just a matter of of your team actually getting to the playoffs for him to to bring value. Because if, if you're out, if you're not going to make your H to H playoffs, it doesn't matter how good he is. He he's not he's not worth anything to your team. But uh, if if you're in the playoff race, if you're in the playoffs, um, that could definitely pay off come March.
0: I, yeah, I think that's a fine price to pay. I don't mind. Um, I don't mind that at all. Like uh, for for comparison, remember last year, Eichel was injured and unhappy. Uh, I can't remember how unhappy he was at the start, but he went for eight bucks as a player who might only be back for the fantasy playoffs. So patch going for three uh, is a, is a, is a nice comp compared to last year's, uh, long-term injury get in the draft uh I'm gonna summarize some other picks and maybe Mike I'll rhyme them off and if you hear a guy you'd like to focus on you can uh interrupt me or just share at the end I'll I'll leave it up to you to jump in if you want also any drafters I, like I see your budgets it's okay you can focus on the draft but you're more than welcome to be like Matt and be awesome and, uh, share your strategy with the world. So, uh, going in reverse order, we've seen Larkin just go for 23 bucks, Darnell nurse for $20, uh, Claude Giroux to Tom for 14, Devin Taves for 16 to Brendan. I'm actually going to stop there, Mike, if that's okay on, and Devon Taves, I don't know what to expect from him this year. He's the D version of my Matt Duchesne is a guy who was on a huge pace last year, seemingly out of nowhere. Things seem to go perfectly. And I can't find where the variance was that led to it. Like it all seemed like reasonable. So this year I'm saying, okay, well, Kadri's gone. So maybe there's a little less power in that top six, a little less constant goal scoring happening for him to get in on. I think he might've also had like a weird uh, primary to secondary assist ratio, That might be another reason to say maybe he won't get 70, but I still, I don't know. I think he could still do 60 and I'm wondering where you have him on your draft boards amongst D.
3: Yeah, he is like, he's not like super high. He's down a little ways uh, on my draft board amongst defensemen. Like he's um, definitely, he's still in the top 20 but I I think the concern with him is that he doesn't bring a lot in peripherals, right? Um, Like, you know, you look at Darnell nurse who went for $20 Darnell nurse, like lives off peripherals, which means, you know, even if nurse only puts up 35 or 40 points, he's still going to bring a lot of real good value uh, to your team. You know, if Devin Taves doesn't put up 60 or 65 points this year, if he's closer to, you know, fit the 50 point mark, um, I think he could definitely miss, but like, I, I think I'd, I think he's proven himself to be one of the top, you know, definitely one of the top puck moving defensemen in all of hockey. And he's going to be playing next to Cale McCarr. I mean, he's finished top 12 in Norris voting each of the last two years. So it's not like um, it's just a complete one off season that came out of nowhere. Um, Right. But his Norris, his
0: Norris acumen has been for his defensive game, right?
3: Yeah. But, but he's still a a very good puck mover. And and that's kind of where it gets lost a little bit is that he is so good defensively um, that, and the fact that he plays with Kale McCarr, I think the fact that he is such a good puck mover and good in transition kind of gets overlooked. I, like, I don't have any huge concerns with him at a price at, at sixteen dollars. I thought the one that was very interesting was Evan Bouchard at fourteen. Like, if there's a defenseman that comes out of nowhere, um, I, I guess I shouldn't say out of nowhere because he did have still had a had a good season last year. But if there's a defenseman that's, you know, ranked around 20th, 25th on a lot of draft boards that, you know, just has that monster breakout season to finish top five, uh, you know, Evan Bouchard is at the top of the list of candidates, right? Um, he finished with over 40 points last year. He was still splitting, you know, he lost power play time um, to Tyson Berry. Um, he lost ice time as the season went on as well. So, I, you know, there are definitely concerns here, but he's a guy that loves to shoot. Uh, can put up hits and blocks, um, has been running the top power play so far in the preseason, uh, at least in practice for Edmonton, if I'm not mistaken. So if you've got Evan Bouchard playing, you know, 20 to 21 minutes a night, shooting as much as he does and skating on that Edmonton top power play unit, like he could go well past $14 in value. And I thought it was, you know, you you just worry that, you know, if the power play goes kind of cold, you know, early in October, do they just go right back to Tyson Berry? And then at that point, you know, Evan Bouchard is just another 40 point defenseman who shoots a lot, but, um, you know, it, 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 I would not be shocked in the least if, you know, Bouchard finishes the season with like 61 points and 230 shots on goal or something like that. I I think $14 is, a, is an excellent price for him.
0: I agree. He's someone that I have not been jumping to draft, but I am remembering as you speak, how valuable he was, even when not on the top power play, he was like a solid, solid peripheral contributor. And then when he got on the top power play, it's like, Oh, now he's like super powered. He like got a mushroom in Mario or like a star, whatever, I'm trying to make a Mario force a Mario reference for Evan. It's not I, working.
3: Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, it has to be said, we, we said this earlier in the show, but it has to be said that this is probably the deepest uh, forward group Edmonton has had in a long, long Yeah. Um, You know, it's the first time that I can remember where they might actually get some scoring from the third line where, you know, they don't have to play McDavid with Dreisaitl to get the team going uh, if they get behind by a couple goals. So I think where, you know, you know, where Bouchard, you know, if he's not playing with McDavid, he's not going to put up points like that's not necessarily going to be the case with this team um, as long as, you know, everyone stays healthy. So I think that's a that's a big dimension that's, you know, doesn't. It's not necessarily a reflection of Bouchard, but could certainly help his fantasy profile is that this team might finally have a, a three scoring lines rather than, you know, two, one sometimes when they stack the top line.
0: So Bouchard can be a steal for that reason at 14. Tyson Barry at $6. That, that's not a bad gamble to take. I'm so, like, it seems right. I don't, I don't see anyone wanting to spend more for a potential drop like really quickly. And how do you suffer through if Tyson Berry is not on the top power play for any amount of time, he's not rosterable. So that's a, that's a tough one. I, I think that's a decent roll of the dice. If, if you're hoping that things break out of the gate, well, but if not, I would say that's uh he's going to be a tough one to hold on to for any quiet period. Unlike Bouchard, if he's off power play one, I'll still want him. If Barry's off, he's basically going
4: to
3: be handled. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of the problem. And, um, he lost a lot of ice time last year. You know, could he lose uh, even more this year? You know, if, if Bouchard takes a step forward, uh, maybe Broberg kind of takes a huge step forward. You know, does Tyson Barry end up playing 17 minutes a game off the top power play unit, right? Like you said, at that point, he's just waiver fodder. So I think $6 is a good gamble to take because like I said, uh, maybe the power play doesn't work out with Bouchard and Barry's back on the top unit by Halloween. Like that's something we could very, very well see. Uh, and at that point, you know, you definitely want to have a $6 Tyson Barry, but uh, it, it is a gamble. But, um, you know, once you're getting this late in the draft, there are a lot of gambles to be taken, especially when you're going for the single digit dollar values. And uh, I th- I think Barry at six is fine. It's not one of those picks that, that will sink your draft if it doesn't pan out. So I, I think it's perfectly fine.
1: Bloop, bloop. Hello, everyone. Uh, This is the sound of going back to the post-episode recording that you heard Brian and I get into a little earlier when we were talking about fan tracks. Uh, Coming back in now just to let you know that this is the end of part one of this auction draft extravaganza episode. We decided to split it up so that you wouldn't see a four-hour episode in your feed. Uh, But don't fret. Because now that this episode's over, just turn the tape over to the other side and you'll be able to jump right back into part two, the second half of the auction draft for a couple tier one Sweden. So Brian, you did a great job in part one, if I recall correctly. And I think uh, people are really going to enjoy the second half, don't you think? Stick around. Go ahead and
0: press play on part two now. There's no sense in waiting. Enjoy. Find out the thrilling conclusion of this auction draft. Thrilling.
1: All right. See you, everybody.